We're all gathered here today to listen to a dwarf cast by Ganymede and Titan. Start the tape, please, Holly. Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcast commentary for Red Dwarf USA, y'all. Uh, this is the supposedly long-awaited opportunity for us to discuss all things Red Dwarf USA. We're going to be watching both pilots and then answering your waffly questions that you've sent in on the subject of Red Dwarf USA as well. I'm Ian Symes, and not recast for this podcast are Daniel Stevenson. <laughs> Hello. And Jonathan Capps. Hello. So, as convention dictates, we're going to start with the first pilot, uh, the link to which can be found in the show notes of this podcast in your app or on www.ganymede.tv. So, if you'd like to watch along, line yourself up with these pips. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. www.ganymede.tv Ah, uh, the scrolling text, like in backwards, but not. Yeah, and it kind of just zooms back. Like literally, this this gag kind of just—it's gone. Like yeah. it lasts what about like half a minute in backwards. There are some good jerks in there as well. <laughs> yeah, I think it's too obvious, you know, uh, to the naked eye that it's a jokey caption though, because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it ends with a hem dot 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 and. Yeah carries on it's too blatant as is most of this but i do like the <laughs> the mishmashing of uh english clips and american clips yeah it kind of works but then they kind of gave up on timing timing the credits with the actual actors which yeah. is a shame well again <laughs> it's a, this is just like when it comes to like pilots and stuff okay a lot boomer. of <laughs> there's a lot of like the fact that they have to like just get get the idea across like it to the because this is for the this isn't for people to watch this is for the executives right this is for yeah, yeah that's true actually yeah yeah and this is fairly interesting from what we yeah. can see at least cartoony <laughs> depictions of what's on Red Dwarf oh the cat animations are absolutely fucking bizarre but we'll get to them yeah there's a there's a lot of um. There's a lot of very efficient bits of um, storytelling in this, I think. Like this, I, it Munson. is good. Yeah. Munson, the character that exists just to make witty quips. The wise <laughs> uh, cracking be, technician. <laughs> to be Todd Hunter as well, Yeah, to be fair to him. He's only got about four lines, and they're all gags. And this That's one's interesting, about they have us kind of, sort of merged Todd Hunter and, and McIntyre into the same yeah. guy, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. And this is just so bizarre. Here's the lad. Straight away. Yeah. It makes total sense to yeah. integrate him from the start. But I think it's jarring to us because, apart from the obvious, that um, the end didn't have Crichton in. But also the novels still keep Crichton separate and introduce him later. They don't have Crichton on board from the start. So this is the only version of the story that has this. Yeah. Um interestingly a bit later on we discover that our it would be mentioned in passing that the film was going to do something with introducing Crichton early on mm. 
Um, I think it must have been mentioned in an interview somewhere or in on a DVD. So it was clearly something that the scutters look weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah, obviously they you know built on the cheap. It's so interesting seeing bits of like jokes cannibalized. So like you, a little bit of um, the Gandhi um, interaction was yeah. was used there with the scutter. With the scutter flipping him off, as I yeah. the Americans say. <laughs> I really don't like Chris Eigerman's rumour. Nothing against Chris Eigerman. I don't really know who he is or what else he's been in. <laughs> he's far too whiny. Yeah. Captain Tao, yes, Captain yes, Tao. Which turned up in Sirens. <laughs> Looking a bit different. Yeah, and they start it off with... Novelty condom. God, I hate that so much. <laughs> we didn't really mention it, but starting off with Holly is kind of like a distress call opening from an early episode of Red Dwarf, but it's talking yep. presumably two new recruits on Red Dwarf, including Crichton, but it feels yeah. totally like it's addressed to us, the audience. Yeah. yeah. The mask looks so weird. It's yeah. just because it's, it's, there's a lot less going on. But it's the same makeup lady, isn't it? It's the same makeup lady who did... Andrea yes. yeah, Andrew now Pennell. Andrea Finch. Yeah. Presumably using... Um, well, working within the framework of, of whatever department they had and yeah. the techniques they had. I was wondering if, like, Peter Rag designed the look of Crichton. Was he due royalties for this? Or yeah, Mal Bibby for the fact that yeah. the sets are so similar in places. Oh, is it the fact that they did that for the BBC? Um, <laughs> yeah. Mean that it's. Yeah. yeah. I wonder whether this stuff actually matters for the pilot or whether it's when it gets commissioned, does it actually get. Mm. Does that stuff actually kind of kick in? Yeah, if this was never intended yeah. to be broadcast. Uh, the Jan Vogel's gag there. Yes, <laughs> yeah. From the very first Dave Holland sketch. Easy to spot, um, yeah, little bits of Rob and Doug sneaking in. It does look busier, this um, this Red Dwarf. Yeah, that's all the artefacting. Just lots of, this just, just feels very popular. <laughs> there's, there's only actually one person. You can just see them many times. Just the same dude walking back and forth, back and forth. Crichton's, so Crichton's really good here. Like, I, there's definitely a different tack they're taking with him, making him a little bit more. Like out there from the start. Yeah. <laughs> He's a wise cracking robot. He does feel like he is, a lot yeah. more Herman Munster in this yeah. kind of way. Like, there's definitely much more of an American feel to. He's not a million yeah. miles away from Bender. Like, he's not mean and like depraved like Bender is, but the sort of commentating on events and being tactless yeah. and not really giving a shit what he says. Because yeah, he's a robot. Absolutely. It's definitely not the Crichton we know <laughs> at all, but it kind of works. Yeah, and well, I mean, Robert makes it work. Robert's yeah. really good. Kachansky, this version of having Kachansky and Lister's relationship set up from the start is interesting. It makes it very different because we're focusing on the fact that they've just split up. And so his dream and determination to get Chansky back takes on a different light yeah it does yeah he's more driven this Lister anyway like especially yeah. after the accident we'll see yeah it all moves very quickly 
But it's good. It, I suppose it's look how thin he is. I think having <laughs> Crichton there, he's being like a proper buddy to Lister. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes it that Lister and Crichton is the central relationship of this pilot exactly. of this story, and it's really to the detriment of the Lister and Rimmer relationship because we don't <laughs> yeah. really we've seen more of Rimmer than we'll see now. <laughs> Just that scene at the beginning, and then he briefly turns up before Lister goes into stasis, and that's it. Yeah, you don't get to know what their relationship's like at all, other than Lister being vaguely sarcastic at him. Yeah, it's definitely it's something less good replacing something good, but I do still like the different. I I, mm. I I like the Crichton Lister stuff. Like it's something that you could have. Yeah, worked it's almost with. like the first series. The first episode would have been Rimmer and Lister. And then the second episode would have introduced yeah. Crichton and brought him into the fold straight Crichton, away, and then yep. they'd have been able to do all three at the same time. Then. Mm. I think you're right. I think you do need that first episode with with Rimmer and Lister, just because otherwise right. there's no, there's well there's less tension to the whole thing because <laughs> this cat. Lister's got his got <laughs> this his best, cat. His best <laughs> so friend. look at this what, what, I've... stretch. I love this. There's a little stretch. <laughs> does it's the most cutest little thing. <laughs> Oh mate! <laughs> <laughs> I've read like, is it like Super cute. the worst thing about this? The worst thing about this pilot is not having Frankenstein being a black cat. But I've also written nice flopsy cat though. <laughs> That's a very well, very chill cat. That cat, um, that cat's dead now. Yeah, that cat's so dead, and it's kittens. <laughs> we each have four kittens twice a year. Yeah, Rimmer wouldn't that doesn't say that. Work. He's just unpleasant. I just, yeah, he's just he's just really antagonistic. Yeah, like he's not even sort of being like he's just outwardly. He's more of mean. a Petrovich. <laughs> it's slightly camp with it as well, and it takes on a different connotation. Yeah. you know, in this era of American sitcoms, Captain Tao. I can't remember her name, uh, the actress, but she was later in Orange Is the New Black. Oh no way! Yeah, shit. wanking joke. <laughs> this is weird that there's cameras in everyone's bunk room. That pan, yeah, <laughs> yeah. follow the action. <laughs> the kind studio, of studio cameras in each room. And this this conversation is heavily truncated from the the end version, and it is much to yeah. its detriment. Yeah, it's it's trying to hit all the jokes, but it's yeah. not earning them really. It's go, it's making it too quick fire. It's just gag gag gag. <laughs> Robert's face. Yeah, and Crichton's immediately rebellious as well. He just he's trying yeah. to do both things. It's like he's just struggling with the being a friend. He's like already having having. He sort of imprinted himself on Lister. <laughs> yeah, because already having only known him for a day. He's disobeying orders from the captain for Lister's benefit, and that's definitely something that Arkwrighton would do now, <laughs> like later on, but not at this stage. <laughs> it's decent. The audience get mental for it. <laughs> the eyeballs landing in the. Crowd. I mean, again, series seven added the whole sort of shooting the eyeballs out. Yeah. And extended. <laughs> Another wise crack from the wise cracking holograph. <laughs> but it's just this is 
an early 90s American sitcom, yeah? Like, what else was it going to be? Yeah. It was never likely to entirely replicate our version of Red Dwarf, because it wouldn't yeah. have, Which it shouldn't do. Found it, you know, it wouldn't we, have found an audience. Yeah. And we've already got our version of Red Dwarf, That's it. so you might as well try something different. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe Rob and Doug should have actually... Here's a hot take. Maybe Rob and Doug shouldn't have been involved. Maybe they should have fucked off and yeah. just let let American writers do it. Yeah. It's like as soon as Ricky Gervais hasn't anything to do with the American office, it was it it yeah. shone. You know, it became its own thing. So maybe another truncated bit of dialogue that therefore is worse. Yeah. But yeah, and Linwood Boomer went on to be a very successful sitcom producer just a couple of years mm-hmm. later. With Malcolm Dave? in the middle, yeah, it's definitely not a reflection of his abilities. No, no. I think it's, it's just it's, it's, it's it may well have been too many cooks. I think. Yeah, so. this is this is a, this is a mess because that pe- everyone wasn't yeah, in harmony, in different directions. and that's everyone's fault. Quantity of chefs is detrimental to the world. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's making it worse. <laughs> yeah. Video in the show notes. <laughs> This is weird mm. as well. Like, I guess you know, having the love interest there, it makes sense. Yeah, for a more it, standard it, sitcom, it definitely does very different things with the Kachansky relationship. It shows yeah. them splitting up, which is something that the novel doesn't really linger on. It shows us the consequences of them splitting mm. up, but it doesn't make a big deal yeah. of that. But then she goes as far as declaring her love when she knows at the worst possible time. It's the worst possible time for him to hear that. Um, interesting, she said she would have done the same thing, and we know she would because um, Red Dwarf Seven shows oh, us yeah. as such. That's true. That's where they got the idea for a robbers. Mm. It's not the first time that they take something from this for the UK show. So. Christine, that's nice. Nice bit of echo. I don't know what you're talking about, Danny. This is nowhere near as populated as the British version. <laughs> What do we think of Jane Leaves as Holly? Poor. I, I like her yeah. when, she, when, when she's slightly more ditzy, when when she's lost a bit of a few of her marbles. Yeah, I don't know. The thing is with the ditziness. When Hattie does ditzy, it's like it's a flash of ditzy in in a in like a mainly deadpan performance. Yeah, and so it it works. That's what we lose is the deadpan yeah. nature of Holly. Like, yeah. our Holly is unaware that they are. Well, they're aware that they're a bit loopy, but they believe what they're saying and they have conviction in what they're saying. She, yeah. it's this is all played for the gag, which again, American nineties. The problem I've got is the fact that the pre-accident and post-accident Holly's basically the same person, but mm. it's like the, the if the wisecracking was going on, like she was just purely down the line, you know, straightforward talking computer doing a thing, and then later on she's a bit more jovial. There'll be a bit more of a character transition. We've missed the best line of the uh, pilot, or the best which cards. is my baseball cards must be worth a fortune. <laughs> it's certainly the most discussed line. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's of the Hang two. Oh, well, that's here. It's here. Oh, <laughs> fair yeah. enough. <laughs> this really, you're going to laugh. I don't know. Yeah, it's the... 
this version of Holly knows that she's being funny. Yeah, I think that's the problem. And this this line, also, did you see like the the VHS glitch there? It's almost yes. as if the the original copy of this someone watched that bit quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. um, the um, it it highlights the difference between American comedy and British comedy. Maybe in the nineties, like Lister, oh fuck, he's he's racked up huge debt at the library. And in America, I get to sell my, <laughs> I get to sell my baseball cards. My monkey green. NFTs must be worth a fortune. <laughs> but the sort of instant thing of Lister like losing his head, thinking I'm going to go absolutely mental, like that's pretty realistic. That feels more like the novel. Lister yeah, than... yeah. Craig Bierko, he's yeah, good. He's, right. Yeah, he is good in this. He's good in general. He's nowhere near the Lister that we know. But he's very good in as this Lister. Yeah, you can't not like him. Yeah, and he's he's far more of an everyman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, far more of a sort of uh, aspirational everyman than ours is. Ours is we recognise the you know the slobbier, lower qualities of ourselves in Lister in the early stages yeah. of Lister. Yeah. Whereas this one is someone where is someone that the audience would want to uh, identify with. And that's interesting because. The, the story is is that there was a big rewrite of this script, right? And that's probably what they ended up using. Mm. And the rewrite was kind of based around the fact that to, to, to fit the story more with this Lister being a little bit more go-getting. And the end of this episode does actually fit that because he's, mm. he's a lot more proactive, isn't he? He's like, he's taking mm. charge. Yeah. Um, rather than it just kind of, just allowing things to kind of bimble yeah. over a few series um, it's interesting that they go proactively looking for the cat as well yeah which is more annoying. oh and Holly only just um, detected uh, yeah, the cat just... after three million years <laughs> just this moment maybe she was in standby until Lister woke up ah <laughs> uh, true yeah, yeah. okay be- be- best best joke of the, the whole thing oh yeah that's true fire exit yeah But imagine the last three million years from Crichton's point of view. <laughs> yeah. How has he not gone Absolutely uh, computer senile like Holly? <laughs> yeah. He's much worse than Holly. I mean, to be fair, even after a couple of months, that foam rubber head would have just dissolved. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the two two empty masks next to him. How long was the doctor punching his way out of that uh, that prison? It was quite, quite a while. Like, yeah, but he was doing something different the whole time. Because yeah, he he forgot all the it, iterations. Ah, uh, fair enough. It's a matte painting, but the looks of it you can't Again, really yeah. tell from the quality. Yeah, yeah. It's scale a lot better <laughs> than, like than our TV show could. Yeah, and it very much reminds me of Polymorph, though. Is like, yeah, <laughs> probably like, the same budget, but uh, but more effective use of budget than Polymorph. Makes you wonder if we'd have had Mel Bibby from the outset, what series mm. one would have looked like. Yeah. The uh, this is the first time like Crichton threatening the cat with a squeegee is the first time we ever got any idea that Crichton's a sanitation droid, isn't it? <laughs> like that's almost trading off what we know mm. about him from the UK show. I think he mentions it when he first introduces himself to oh, Lister. Okay. But yeah, this brilliant animation. It's the idea's good. <laughs> Execution Yeah. No. <laughs> of course remastered had Illustrations for this speech as well. Beautiful illustration. I, yeah. I, I like how it's a bit more um, 
it's a lot more explanatory than like in the like it is in the novels. The fleshed out yeah. the idea of like yeah. you know when 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 Frankenstein was dead, that they had like hundred thousand cats in the thing. Well, it did strike me as a little odd that Holly knew all this, having only just detected the cat. Yeah. <laughs> and in, and in in the novels, it's the omnipotent voice that's telling us, so we know that it's it's true. Uh, yeah. Whereas here, it's... it feels very hitchhikers. I mean, like imagine going back to yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, that's totally the voice of the yeah. book. There's um really good gag of just the cat just making the most horrific wow and then making a note of like, okay, yes, that was good. That, I like that. <laughs> I, I quite like Hinton Battle's cat. Yep. Danny approved, didn't he? Yeah, with, he uh, did, Hinton yeah. Battle. They, they picked the right flavour of person, which is someone who is a dancer, who is who is kind of sleek and can move in a kind of slinky yeah. way that a cat does, you know? like And has the kind yeah, of balance yeah. and, you know... Yeah, because if they'd if they'd cast a woman, they'd just have to make it um, completely obsessed with sex, because yeah. that is the only um, that's, yeah. the, that's the female characteristic. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's probably the tr- the truest character to the UK version, even including Crichton, mm. <laughs> who is played by the same person. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but the characters are wildly different. Whereas, yeah, this is this is the same cat with a different face. <laughs> good, good cat line. Yeah, <laughs> Derek, well delivered. It, it's certainly not unsalvageable. This. Oh God, no! It's several drafts away and several decisions away from from being good. But you chop some bits out of this and put it in other episodes for sure. Give it some room to breathe. If I was a commissioning editor in America in the mid 90s which is a lot of ifs it's a big if but I like to think I could have seen the potential in this to order uh, a short run I think this is a diversion point here definitely like because this is where they're like you have to rebuild the human race in the first episode I mean I know that the end ends with him like we're going home but that was that is very much like yeah you're going home but it's going to take decades you know, yeah, it's a vague. <clears throat> Whereas this is like, let's do it right now. Let's make a plan, rather than a vague ambition to get home. And then chuck in a tiny bit of future echoesy sort of a feeling here, even yeah, though it's definitely not definitely future echoes. Future echo and um, uh, Rimworld, end of Rimworld. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. Which hadn't been before made. Rimworld. Yeah. Oh this god, yeah. Before Rimworld. Think about that. It's before series. Yeah. After five, before six. After five. Listen to this dude, Rufus. He's new. It's what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and they've got future Lister in a, in a Craig Charles oh, costume, yeah. basically. Yeah. They've got him in his letters. You're already dead. Why do you care? <laughs> Out of time, there's another idea. <laughs> Out of time, that's another one. You got it. You got it. <laughs> and then that's a jump cut as well. That's just the most basic fucking... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've, got a, 
We've got to do, do something. something. <laughs> Very complicated. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't like this Holly. I, it's only occurred to me on this watch through how much yeah. I don't like Jane Leaves' as Holly. I don't really she like Jane Leaves. She's a good actor, general. obviously. I like, yeah. I like yeah. Frasier. Um, but she's so condescending towards Lister there and like it's, give him a chance. He's just yeah. woken up. From if you think about minutes. it, is she good in Frasier? I'm not <laughs> sure if she is. She based her uh, accent in Frasier on Robin yeah. Doug. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why she says, "Yeah, no, yeah, no, Frasier, it's pony." Again, that yeah. whole thing of like it's that's the a very British thing, but they've done it in an American way, and I kind of like that. It's the same thing as like Crichton trying to turn on the um, the engine and doing <laughs> the, the windscreen wipers. Yeah. <laughs> I like the chair lowering as well. Chair lowering a callback to a deleted scene from the end. And also, yeah, deleted <laughs> and also used in um, uh, Trojan. Trojan, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Doug, Doug took a lot of stuff from the pilot and moved it into somewhere else, didn't he? <laughs> And then a little coda. Dun, dun, dun. This is sort of like a oh, this is what's going to happen in future episodes. Yeah, which the second pilot is almost entirely that. Uh, that joke doesn't work. I don't understand the joke. Uh, it's a reference to I Love Lucy. Oh. So they've come across this mysterious broadcast from Earth, and they don't know what oh, it okay. is. And she quotes I Love Lucy, but I Love Lucy is from their past. So yeah. they should know what I Love Lucy yeah. is. Yeah. Again, weird. That, that, oh, look, that's Rimmer trying to build his own body. Yeah. Retconning. <laughs> like, it's so weird on the use. Look, because Who's that just, guy in the background? Who's <laughs> <fucking guy. laughs> yeah. that? Who's that scouser? <laughs> We're in around weird. weird. <laughs> it's fair, you know, it's for yeah. the execs. Yeah, it? that's it's not. It's, it's, it's meant to be just a, it's, yeah, it's a big old advertisement. Unless that was a future plot point that Craig Bierko's lister was going to be replaced. Regenerate. Regenerate <laughs> Craig Charles. I mean, there's nothing to stop them. I, I tell you what would be an interesting thing now, think about it, is there would be an episode at some point where there'd be an alternate universe in the USA version that would be the UK <laughs> <Yeah>. version. <laughs> so they, they've changed these character the 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 angle of the credits to match the angle of red dwarf and it mm, really doesn't, doesn't work with the camera no, moves. It's, <laughs> it's too steep yeah. yeah as soon as the camera moves yeah it looks okay for a while and then it moves okay so that was well uh, up next right, in four very, seconds very is the red dwarf documentary. Just... again again <laughs> i again but this time minutes. in not like two p um, <laughs> resolution. <laughs> so I have a funny story about about. Um, well, it's not that funny, but a story about kind of the provenance of like the versions of the US pilot that we have these days. Because like in the early two thousands, I f- I found a, a someone selling a CD on eBay of the of the pilot, and I bought it for like a ten or something, and it had both of them on it as like AVI files. They were like you know quite a few hundred megabytes each and so knowing nothing about videos i just i ran these both through movie maker and made mov versions of them that were like 
50 megabytes uh, and then put them up on my website for download and from that moment every version that i found on like limewire and kazoo all the all the file sharing were all my versions so (laughs) there was this terrible version from like God knows how many generations of VHS is copied down. I fucking butchered it in Windows Movie Maker, and I'm pretty sure my butchered version is this, re-uploaded into YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so basically, I've I've done my part. I am I am a generation of of the <laughs> of the degradation of quality that you see today in these uh, in these copies. So it's your fault. So many things are my fault. So we will, of course, be discussing many other elements of that pilot in the waffly section. It's still to come, but the bit in the middle is called the second pilot, and that's just that's as... also still to come. <laughs> <laughs> that's 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 what we're going to do now. Uh, so you are now required to open up the second YouTube link that was so generously provided to you in the show notes, and watch with us the second US pilot after these pips. Now, something, something, something. <laughs> so, if the last one was for investors, <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is doubly f- so. <laughs> it's a sizzle reel. This definitely reminds me of, you know, Scrooge when he's trying to do the, the um, he's trying to show off the, the, the terrifying fucking trailer for the, the show he's trying to do. And he just starts off with a big explosion. Yeah. It totally reminds me of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting, like, same dialogue, pretty much, but a completely different dynamic for this scene, which I think is interesting. One person doing all the perving, and the other one mocking him for it. Yeah, which is more standard. This is a different rumour, isn't it? Yeah, a much better rumour. The part of rumour is now played by Roger Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) He... His performance as Rimmer reminds me of Niles uh, oh, that's from Frasier, which is partly just that he looks a bit like him, and partly because Jane Leaves is there. But I like it. I think it's a better yeah, take on Rimmer. It's more, it's more faithful. His his Craig uh, introducing a Smegups tape. Yeah, this is another idea that they took from <laughs> USA. They use this quite a lot. This format in the UK, Smegups tapes, and the uh, extended video and yeah. the televised version. The opening of Ticket to Ride. Uh, Lister cast as the captain rather than Rimmer. Mm. So, again, like putting him a bit more front and centre, a bit more proactive. Yeah. So, maybe more of a um, um, Nathan Fillion in Firefly sort of a a vibe yeah. they were going for with him, maybe. I do like how they retcon the entire, like, that whole section just because of the yeah. dude. <laughs> It's cut, cut to a close-up of the other rumour. Who is this other rumour, then? Anthony Fuskell, I think his name is. Or Fuchsel. Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> and he gives a much better reading of the Amish bachelor party line. Yeah. It's... It's weird though seeing two different actors give that one line, and especially the way that it's here, where it's not like a full production; it's just him, <laughs> like close up on his own. It's very much like watching an audition for the part of Rimmer, which yeah, kind which of it kind of is. Um, yeah, just salvaged a few minutes of the first pilot and, and 
pop it in. And the whole framing device of Lister talking to camera now, really, for obvious reasons, reminds me of Craig Bierko's message uh, to fans for Dimension Jump. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> Which I wonder if he was deliberately doing that as a reference, but we never know. He's a great, great guy, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so they obviously thought that was a strong clip, putting that one in. <laughs> Well, it's one of the bits of the pilot that hasn't changed too dramatically. Oh, note, there's a, a bit of an edit there, yeah. which is on the YouTube version of this, they've removed a scene from Camille, which was used to illustrate Crichton. So it was just a scene from the British version. How weird. And then we have Terry and Farrell here. as the cat. So, yep, yeah, hint and battle here. We've got just in a different costume. <laughs> it's a very... Weird. So yeah, the Hinton Battle version was the most faithful character. Yeah, <laughs> it's the UK version. Here we have someone that does not resemble either the cat or a cat in any. Yeah, way. she's a lot more of a psychopath. No. <laughs> like, yeah. Also, got more of the psychopathic traits of a cat than the kind of the. She literally. Behaviors. She's a bit wild. She literally, literally, literally has nine lives. Yes. Yeah, so she's like Captain Jack in, uh, in Torchwood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but only nine times. Or is she like a Time Lord? Does she regenerate? Is it the same? Oh, maybe. Is it the same person? Maybe that's what happened. Hint, maybe yeah. Battle died and was. Hint and yeah. Battle regenerated into. He got uh, into a Terry battle. <laughs> and then it's just about basically <laughs> gangbanged. That's, 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 her, that's her joke. <laughs> That's what she likes. I think and people yeah. people say, "Oh, I like the Terry Farrell um, cat." They only, I think, they only say that because they fancy Terry Farrell. <laughs> Is, she's in one of the Star Trek. Yeah, isn't Deep Space Nine, I think. But Apologies yeah, it's, it's wrong, but... by no means a recognisable Red Dwarf character, and this dynamic between this cat and Lister is odd. Yeah, yeah. Like it's almost like we haven't got Kachansky here, so Yeah, there's some um, sexual tension. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Rimmer's face popping in. And yeah, obviously it would be better if it's it Chris Barry's joke. face, but it's the next best. You're not thing. recording the red lights on. <laughs> yeah. The last message capsule they have because even in the American Red Dwarf universe, there's no internet, <laughs> they have to send out yeah. a capsule. <laughs> it's good, yeah. He's good, he is good. They're kind of friends in this bit, it's like, yeah, they're like slightly antagonistic friends mm. rather than just is just a cunt and blister. Yeah, there's a kind of <laughs> this is very bizarre mutual respect <laughs> from it. future episodes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, when they when they get trapped um, behind a white sheet. I mean, it, it basically, it's yeah, it's really funny. It's really funny how obviously they would have just reused the model shots. They wouldn't have made more. I don't think. Well, you, I don't know. They would have. They, they would have had, had huge for the actual for the actual series that have. Yeah, they wouldn't have been short on money. Situations. They would have. Well, no, it's a, a budget saving cost, though. They wouldn't. It's like it's like Power Rangers reusing the Japanese whenever <laughs> yeah. they're in costume. They're reusing <laughs> Japanese things, and everything else yeah. is shot for them. But in, until they need to do something with the models that wasn't done in the at the time thirty episodes of Red Dwarf, 
This is this is well a well done redo of the scene, but it's it's literally it's literally the, just the scene, isn't it? It's an Amdram version of the scene. Yeah. And obviously, it's not going to hold up well to one of the best two-handed comedy performances. Yeah, I, I think if you take that into account, ever. like good performances, like what else were they going to do with with yeah. this? You know, yeah, it's decent. It's yeah. all right. Yeah. I like the the it's, little setup of him like liking automobiles. Like that was like obviously Chris was just. That was something that was innate with Chris. We it was enough to know that about Chris, but, but they had to yeah. get that in. There. But it's yeah. good. Yeah. It, 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 you, you don't see it coming if you, if you don't know the joke. Mm. Yeah, they haven't had two series worth of backstory to establish Rim's character, so they have to mention. I like cars. Good. But well delivered. Mm. I think also like the idea of losing your virginity at twelve, that seems like it's almost going to be m- much more shocking in America. Do you, do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm. <laughs> it's like it's, it, it feels it, like you kind of accept it as part of a broken Britain thing, but like I think yeah. in America it would be like, <laughs> like they have that cliche uh, that we have about chavs. For want of a better word, this isn't me. This is me. This <laughs> yeah, is, like, you don't get that with me, just for FIFA. Yeah, <laughs> but they have it with trailer trash, and mm-hmm. like, if if Lister was trailer trash, it wouldn't. It would be more mm. realistic. That's true, but he's but a he's not. He's Detroit just like kid. urban Detroit. Yeah. yeah, he's Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> you lost your virginity at a rap battle. <laughs> you can't have been a full MC. Volkswagen Beetles have to specify. Yeah. Shut down. Yeah, that oh it's a classic fucking episode of Shutdown. I'm glad that this is a a bit of a like th- th- this is an iconic shot. I think purely because of our banners. For me, <laughs> I, I see this very regularly. Just oh, <laughs> that's where I... <laughs> I was trying to work out where I was like, "How oh, is this used on like a like a?" I was like, "Oh, that's what it is. It's our fucking yeah." Okay, right. Interesting. Oh, yeah. joke here. And this is the joke. That from that's from series six. Hasn't, as yet, well, turned, so was... hasn't yet turned up in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Was this pre series six then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then that's when that's why they upped the gag rate in six. Yeah, because uh, yeah. they they kind of like that approach at least, and um, they had better Crichton mask technology as well. So um, she decided to go against normative determinism, and she didn't leave. She came back. <laughs> Jane returns, and out on her second go, she has longer hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's too long for a computer. <laughs> But they still use a clip from the first pilot earlier on, so <laughs> inconsistently. And she seems to be... You can see her black polo shirt in this. Yeah. You can see her shoulders. It's that feels like a holly line just... as well. That feels like a hatty line. Yeah. Mm. No, just one, but they're all there. I'll, I can't decide whether it's, it's, it's explaining it a bit too much. But... <laughs> I'm saying all the right numbers. <laughs> but not necessarily... And there you go. There you go. Second pilot. So that's that. That's the end of that. <laughs> it's ten minutes. 
And yeah, it's um, it's a sizzle reel. Yeah, nip, as it's known. Yeah, it's just like a just like a taster, isn't it? It's like a, this is this is what you can expect. Yeah, have a look at what you could have won. Mm. It's and and it obviously wasn't successful. Um, no, and it, it's interesting because we don't really get the story about why the second one wasn't successful. Like, did it just sink without a trace, or did did it get made and then never get sent to anyone? You know, like. Mm. It just it just died. Like, you know? Yeah, it was like a last ditch attempt to just you know, like someone says, you know, what what else can you be expecting? It's like, okay, well, we'll make that and we'll show you. And then they're like, yeah, we're still not we're still not really that bothered about it. But I think it would be an interesting prospect to show people the first pilot, which is bad, but it's it's got nuggets in it that are salvageable, yeah. and then show them the ten minute sizzle reel that says, look, we've identified what the faults are. Rimmer yeah. is one of them. <laughs> so here's a new version of Rimmer. Um, we've falsely identified that the cat was a problem and replaced well, the first version. Well, or Battle was the most expensive <laughs> cast I'm gonna say, member. Was he not? Was he just one. not available? I remember thinking that he was yeah. like he was doing Broadway. If he's, if he's Broadway, yeah, yeah. If he's Broadway, it would have been. Or they might have thought that they wanted to that it would increase the appeal to have a woman in it. Yeah. Like, other than yeah, because the, they decided one. they obviously decided that Kachansky was a mistake. Um, but yeah, it would be an interesting proposition to show the two together and say, look, this is the pilot. We've learned from the, our mistakes. Here's what a new version would be. So imagine bits mm. of that, <laughs> but in this style. And here's here's some bits of scripts that we wrote earlier, and you can see that they work with this cast. So yeah, I would have taken it. I'd have taken a punt. Yeah. Um, Robert not involved in the second pilot. No, well. I think he'd gone back by yeah. that point. Oh yeah, just uh, escape before, before he gets before he got um, gone out before he got trapped. <laughs> yeah, trapped in a massive contract. Yeah. Um, fascinating though, right? It I mean, is, I'm so glad it exists. It's such an odd experiment. Like, it's such a it's yeah. such a, like because I, I I just remember like when. I can't wait. I may have mentioned this on the previous podcast, but I can't remember where it was that I heard about the USA part. It might have even been when it was being shown at DJ. Oh no! I didn't realise that when it was mentioned on Smeg Ups or Smeg Outs, whichever one it is, Outs Smeg Outs, that when he says off the American pilot, and I had no idea what they were talking about. So by that point, I had no idea what they were talking about. I never knew there was an American pilot because I hadn't read the magazines. I hadn't read anything that brought me to that information yeah. so yeah no idea i can't remember when i can't remember when i first found out there was an american version to be honest i didn't know there was a version yeah, to watch for me it. it was probably probably even better than that because i joined the fan club at around 93 94 so it would have been oh, mentioned yeah. there is this kind of lost bit of folklore mm, yeah already after two years that it was it was so dead in the water yeah and it, it was, was yeah. already been talking about so the fan club thing. The fan club did have a copy, and I mean, I can exclusively reveal that I don't know where it went because the fan club that we were part of didn't have a didn't have a copy anymore. So that must have been that we don't. Have. Uh, we we didn't have it. Yeah, so it, was, it would have been it owned shown, by someone. It was shown with like permission and everything. Like Rob and yeah. Doug bought it with them. Ah, to, so it wasn't a copy they had, right? To the first um, first ever DJ. I think so. Th- that was Generation One. Yeah. Uh, I think, as far as I know, the fan club then copied it um, for themselves, obviously, as you would, yeah. uh, which was Generation Two, and then that got shared, and then that got shared, and then that got shared, and eventually a VCD ended up on eBay <laughs> and into yep. Capsi's hands. Yeah. 
So, yeah, but <laughs> gallingly, the, uh, we know that as of the making of the Series 5 DVD, the second pilot original copy was already gone, lost forever. All that survived was dodgy VHS copies, multi-generations down, because they tried to get hold of it for that and couldn't. Um, they obviously had access to a, a master copy for Dwarf in USA, and there was also a weird period uh, of a couple of years where clips from Red Dwarf USA showed up in another couple of things. There was mm. uh, it was used in Comedy Connections, yeah. and there was also an American clip show um, that was like uh, about failed pilots um, and that had a clip of it in um, which then got uploaded right. to the internet and if it's still on the internet somewhere then we'll put a link in the show notes yeah. <laughs> um, but subsequently there was a big fire at uh, Universal Studios and the master tapes for Red Dwarf USA went down and I may it. be misremembering this but I'm pretty sure that fire was started on purpose so it's interesting then. So at some point, Rob and Doug <laughs> had a copy. And then by the time it got around to the early 2000s, Grand Ada Productions no longer had a copy. Yeah. But Doug, and so they had to order in. They had to, had to order in stuff. America. So I wonder where that. Like maybe, maybe Rob's got that somewhere. <laughs> Some, yeah, there's been to be. There are definitely in existence, you'd hope, better copies. Yeah. Better quality copies of the ones that are online. But the thing is, it's now. Even a, even an original, like a first generation VHS, is a VHS that's thirty years old. There's limited time to find them, basically, which is which is a thing with lost media and with you know yeah. uh, missing things that are missing from the archives. Even if they are out there, there's a time limit on physical media yeah. as to how like what how long it's salvageable for. I tell you what, though, like that restoration techniques mm. are getting a bit scary, like. <laughs> So much of the of Peter Jackson's um, Beatles documentary is like AI upscaled that, I, and I didn't know half of this until I, until after I'd seen it, and it doesn't it doesn't stick out. You know, it's pretty mm. incredible what you can achieve. Every now and then, just a dog so, is just added into the shot for some reason. <laughs> like <a> Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe something could even be salvaged from this fucking trash heap that's on youtube but like because honestly the if you didn't watch along with us the quality is shocking like you can barely see anything it's really, really fuzzy uh, yeah. um yeah, I've, I've never seen a good copy and annoyingly is the odd clips <laughs> annoyingly there's a there's um an early edit version on youtube which we'll mm. obviously link to we didn't want to watch it because it's not the full version that's not the not the final version but the quality especially the sound quality is like miles ahead it's so much there's better. definitely something to be made of like an amalgam of those two like the clips from red dwarf in usa the fucking early edit and there's definitely something to be made of a sort of like a best of yeah. where just like cobbled together <laughs> like those people who take like together like early film prints of like a you know <clears> and then <throat> piece it together it reminded me of when um they just found um They'd found some lost footage of the uh, film Metropolis, um, and they'd kind of um, stitched it together uh, with with the kind of the original, you know, with what what other things they had, and put it all together into one showing. And like they had, uh, I went to see it with like a live orchestra playing the playing along, and like when when it obviously when it cuts to the found footage, there was a pretty steep 
<laughs> step down so you mm. could tell what was what was cut in, but it doesn't matter because the, the story continued yeah, yeah. to flow. Shall we take a trip to Waffle Town? By which we mean it's time to start the regular section of the podcast uh, where all the topics and questions have been set by you, our beautiful listeners slash readers, as we like to call it. So we start off with a waffle that's been in our waffle pile for quite a long time. Because... <laughs> It was asked uh, a long time ago, and we thought, oh, well, eventually we're going to do a Red Dwarf USA uh, dwarf cast, so we'll just save this waffle for then. And it's been sat on the pile, gathering dust, since September the 19th, 2020. (laughs) So, (laughs) with apologies to Milo's cat uh, for taking so long, uh, we are finally going to answer your question. What do you think of Terry Farrell's cat and her potential as a character? She is the only truly original thing in Red Dwarf USA, after all. Trying to think if that's Which I guess true. is true. Yeah. That's yeah. a way to look at it, that she is original. <laughs> In that she bears no relation, as discussed, to our version of the cat or the previous American version of the cat. Um, yeah, I guess she has potential. Yeah, lots of potential. If, like, because we know that she's a good actor. Or, yeah. Well, I don't really know, but I'm she told is. that she's a good actor she, in other things. She's a good actor, and also you, you actually see an improvement during that 10 minutes amazingly like when they do the um the, the little bit where they're looking at the scanner about the alien yeah. which mm. is uh, thinking about it, it's quite back to reality isn't it mm. um and um yeah. she makes some sex joke and lister just says as an aside well she's getting better <laughs> <laughs> and already you can kind of see like you know she That's ju- commentary on the performance yeah, she's definitely yeah, maybe yeah <laughs> Maybe just having her as this wild card, a little bit out of control, maybe a little bit of a danger. Whereas the cat get our cat gets domesticated, she's a bit more. I don't know. But she's much yeah, more. Feral, there's huge about more much more feral. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely sort of a wilder element of that. She's much more feral. She's a feral cat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very mm. good. Give yourself a biscuit. Yeah, I think I think the mistake that they made in the second pilot is by having her big dialogue scene be so one note. And so, all about sex and doing other things with that character, other types of joke and other types of dialogue over the course of a series could well have worked. But I do think there was nothing wrong with Hinton Battle's version. Hinton Battle would be if they wanted to go pretty much down the Danny route. Yeah. And Tay Fowler was obviously like, a, we need to be a bit bolder with this. Um, but I, I think at no point, I mean, they're right that. That she's probably the only truly original thing in Red Dwarf USA, but there's the signs everywhere that they were pushing in a different direction, and they were intending to push in a different direction than the UK show. Like they had to redo a lot of jo- or re- reuse a lot of the jokes, but even in the original mm. pilot, you know they were they were pushing in a different direction. Definitely. Well, the the Office USA yeah. is perhaps the most successful ever. Um, conversion from British to American uh, comedy and that took a good six episodes at least to be different from the UK mm-hmm. version famously Yeah. Uh, so yeah it starts off with the same, it's shot from the same gun barrel and, and in this particular iteration it, it shares a lot of similarities with the British version but could easily have diverged onto a different path and become far more original. Yeah and I think that was the intention because the first pilot had had Kuchansky there for a start, mm. um, and Kuchansky turns up 
at some point so finding her like re-encountering her like basically becoming the people they see in that in that future echo style thing maybe they would have uh, had a pursuit of kachansky for about four episodes and then completely forgot that she existed <laughs> and <again>. then and then <laughs> lister has sex with a vending machine and it all goes <laughs> off the rails yeah and i think the key which we stumbled upon in the commentary is that if rob and doug weren't there and they had a proper writer's room who yeah. you know with with in the american way dozens of writers or or pair or pairs of writers and say well here's the premise of the show here tell us your 22 minute plot mm-hmm. could have had loads of new and original exciting mm-hmm. things happening yeah and it would have been ahead of its ahead of its time because in the early 90s uh, a sci-fi comedy in america i i mean that wasn't going to happen for another 10 years like uh, uh, like and that's that's me classing firefly as a comedy in some ways you know like cuz it's cuz it's humorous um like there was a real opportunity to do something pretty big there is lost in space I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Like, I'm sure there was millions of like shows that I I don't know because I don't live in America. But like, when it comes to things that you know made it, yeah, Alf. <laughs> <laughs> Stand corrected. <laughs> Futurama. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, Futurama. Like that. That's it, isn't it? That's like yeah. That's the first one that really took it, and then we've got now like Avenue Five, uh, which I still haven't seen, but. Is apparently very good, uh, and that's that's a very British, obviously because it's Amanda Nucci. That's um, a British American hybrid um, yeah. uh, thing. Uh, the Orville apparently is good. Oh, I've heard very mixed things about the Orville. Mixed, but I think it it, it, it improves. Uh, it but that's down. but that's Star Trek as fuck. Like that is parody, that is a direct Star Trek parody. And I just think I just think there was there was room for something a bit of an edgy an edgier like. Only in the way that Red Dwarf was edgy in you know in the UK, but just like you know a little bit interesting, grimy, grungy sci-fi comedy, it would have definitely done well. Yeah, the failed jokes stand out more in the American version because of the format of yeah, they have how to, the jokes yeah. are performed. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Milo. We've we already patient. massively veered. <laughs> so. Uh, Chris Carter asks, "Do you think Hinton Battle's performance as Cat influenced his performance as Thames in Quantum Leap?" Discuss. Oh, fuck knows. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I've got no memory whatsoever um, of Hinton Battle. I would being say Leap. I like it. I think it's good. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, I, I didn't well, know. I didn't know he was in Quantum Leap. To be honest, that, that, that's that's missed me completely. I think what Chris has done is mistaken us for knowledgeable people. <laughs> he thinks he thinks we know about other shows other than Red Dwarf. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Yeah. Which is odd because he's known us all for many years at this point. I upset him recently by pointing out that we met in the last century. Oh, oh do you have to do that though? You've upset me now. Yeah. <laughs> well, every dwarf cast has to have a moment where you have like a time-based like crisis. Do, do you know what? Hidden Battle's not been in a lot of stuff. I was just I'm just checking. Like not, he he's definitely not primarily an actor. Well, he's a stage actor, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. yeah. So Tracy Ullman, oh, Broadway. I suppose I in the same way that Danny was as well. Like Danny wasn't well known for his TV stuff; he was more well known for his Broadway stuff. The 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 Revenge of the Evil Leaper was was the episode he was in. That sounds interesting. Like there's another Leaper and he's evil. Has <laughs> he got like a goatee? 
I don't remember that. Yeah, probably. He was in the musical episode of Buffet, I remember. Oh, fuck, yeah. Yes, he was indeed. Yeah, he was the um, he was the demon in that. So, yeah, we like him in that. Yeah, but to be fair, I should know, like, Quantum Leap, something that needs seriously needs a, a, um, a revisit on my yeah, part. I'll have, I'll have undoubtedly seen him in Quantum Leap, but yeah. I can't bring it to mind. Yeah. So let's move on. Samuel H. Diamond says, I like the fact that they changed Lister for an American audience, and I don't think they went far enough in adjusting the other characters to match. Yep. How would you have changed the characters to better localise them? Uh, Samuel's idea is, I would have gone all in on making Rimmer a deluded Zap Brannigan type, where he believes he's the single most important person on the ship, despite being a lowly technician. Cast Phil Hartman, <laughs> make him Hang the up. Captain Kirk of Chicken Soup if Machines. If fucking only we could. The thing is... It- the yeah. thing is, this definitely sort of ties into sort of how how he's portrayed in Justice, in that he sort of he's the security yeah. guy at the front gate who just says, you know, thinks he's the head of the corporation. So it's like that whole thing yeah. of just being. I, again, though, that also kind of ties into um, Hollister not really being the captain and not being as good as he says he is. But you know, it's all these things could have been tied together. Like it could turn out the captain isn't uh, isn't all all they say they are. Mm. Um, <clears throat> but as that Brannigan type, kind of, yeah, kind of all bluster and all bluster and nobility. Yeah, which would have been uh, completely opposed to our Rimmer, who has a voice in his head telling him that he's useless all the time, even when he's on the rare occasions where he isn't being, and is nagged by self doubt. And one of the reasons that he never achieved anything is his massive inferiority mm. complex. But that's not a bad thing to, like, like Samuel says to you have to completely change the characters at, at times in order to make them unique and make them different to, to localize them. And yeah, that would have, that would have been a more American thing. I think to have him so self-confident. And I think they, they localized Crichton to quite an extent by having him <laughs> has the wise cracking buddy. Um, but I agree. I do agree that they didn't go far. They didn't go too far enough <laughs> with, um, with the Americanizing. Does this look like a 14B yeah. Kiff? <laughs> yeah, schmuck. <sighs> it, it, it's a tightrope because, like, if you completely changed it, they'd be like, why did you bother doing it? Why did you bother calling it Red Dwarf? Why don't you just call it something else? And then if you don't change it enough, it's like, oh, why are you just doing red dwarf but with american people that aren't funny and don't understand sarcasm and it's like you don't you can't really <laughs> you're never gonna like a venture like this is always going to have a rocky start yeah. there's always gonna be comparisons it, made because yes un- unless you you're clever and you rename it like i like the sanford and sons right like yeah <laughs> i doubt that had the same sort of it's interesting it, it took me the certainly... longest time to realize that sanford and son was based on yeah me too. And son. i have no idea <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I never know how that even how that even works in America. Weirdly enough, I've never seen it, so I've never really understood how. Nor have I, but I assume they're not Rag and Bone Men. Yeah, <laughs> there, must, there must be a localized version of Rag and Bone Men. They're only human, after all. Uh, it's certainly not the worst pilot, or you know, the worst version of an American of a British sitcom that I've seen, because I've seen the Faulty Towers. American I have not pain. seen the Forty Towers. What is that even like? God awful! Absolutely. Is it so? Have they, have they done what the IT crowd did, which was to just literally transplant this into this and not change anything, or did they change too much? And it they changed. 
they changed Manuel to being Indian. Oh no! Tell me he's um, played by an Indian person. I'm not 100 percent on that. He's played by Michael <laughs> Bush. But then, yeah, <laughs> short circuit shows us that I can't. Oh work. God! <laughs> um, but no, it is just transposed, and it is that archetypal thing of why bother? Why bother <laughs> when you can just show the original? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It, it's it's difficult, and I personally think that it's fine to take inspiration or take a premise from one and completely transmute it into something else, and that and that's far better than just trying to replicate it. Jason Smegley asks, "Do you think had it been commissioned, they could or would have made something good, and what would that have meant for Red Dwarf UK?" Well, I think we've covered the fact that it did have the potential to be something think, good, yeah. so let's tackle the I second think part. Red Dwarf UK. I think what would have happened. I think what's more likely to have happened is that, like The Office, we were saying this before, like the Red Dwarf UK would have still been written by Rob and Doug, and although Red Dwarf USA would have been, you know, they would have had like, you know, created by, but then it'd been written by a completely different team of people, so they'll have been supplanted and it'd been forked off onto its own. Get okay. So you're getting you're getting to ninety three. Rob and Doug are thoroughly sick of working with each other. Um, they finish series six. The US show is kicking off. It's just it's just it, it, it looks like it's going to go for a full seven years. They are millionaires. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug, Rob stops. He fucks off just like he just like he did. Is is Doug then? going to start his pursuit to make a film which is basically what 7 and 8 is, is very possible. precursor there's also the, the possibility that Rob could have gone off and done the USA version and Doug could have done the UK version that is also a possibility yeah it's possible I mean, that, that's, obviously that's I think the UK version would have died I think the UK version would have died well they'd have made series 6 without Robert yeah oh shit uh, I, think, I think what would have happened is yeah like you say they'd have come back and done one more series of the British one and kind of put it to bed. Mm. Um, maybe they wouldn't have got rid of Holly because instead they've got rid of Crichton. Uh-huh. So there's a version of Series Six that has Holly in it, and they're on Red uh, Dwarf, but just doesn't, just doesn't have Crichton and they're in mm. Red Dwarf. And they probably do something to wrap it up or leave it at, at the satisfying ending and not on a fucking cliffhanger that goes unresolved for yeah. several mm. years. Yeah, and yeah, I think then. It, that is, uh, you know, a fixed point. <laughs> if we if we accept Robin Doug splitting up as a fixed point in time, that it has to happen around that point. I think you're right. They say, well, <laughs> seven series, seven seasons of our sitcom is going to be made in America, but we don't have to do any work, but we do get paid a lot of money because it's our names as executive producers or our names as creators. So they become millionaires. And I think that makes their split a lot more amicable, mm-hmm. <laughs> let's say. I think they just say, okay, well, Red Dwarf's done. I've got some solo projects that I want to work on. You've got some solo projects you want to work on. Let's shake hands and fuck off. Yeah. Uh, and so, in many ways, things would be better for them personally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in that they're millionaires. It would not have led to this <laughs> moment in time. No, we wouldn't have got seven and eight Um but there would be bad consequences ah, there too. There never would have been a toss. There never would have been a toss. Uh, well, there might have been, but it would be Red Dwarf. The DVDs wouldn't have been the love that had been put into them. No, no I think 
we'd if, have suffered. I mean, we're they talking about well, we'd have suffered. we're talking we're talking about if Red Dwarf USA is a huge success, like if or even if it's as equivalently successful in the US as it was in the UK. Yeah, then we don't have all that, and the UK show becomes a little footnote in the history of of the hugely successful American show Red Dwarf, mm. because there are also examples which I'm sure will come to mind of uh, of American shows that are based on British ones where the American ones are huge successes in their own right. But So yeah, in conclusion, the, the alternate reality that we're picturing is that Red Dwarf is this huge franchise that's probably still going to this day in various... It's probably been bought up by Disney at some point. Oh yeah, well, I'll be on and Disney there are, Plus. And there are now, there are now spin-offs on Disney Plus... <laughs> Revisiting the old Craig Bierko years, we had a big, we had a big um, social media campaign um, to persuade Disney Plus to to not have the cropped sixteen nine versions of early <laughs> Red Dwarfs seasons on there because they they cropped them and it was terrible. Yeah, and the original UK version picks up a cult following because that's always also been brought into Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, it gets a second win there, and, pe- <laughs> and suddenly. 60-year-old Robert Llewellyn, Chris Barry, Craig Charles. And, oh, no, Robert Llewellyn was in it and is now doing movies. Oh, yeah, and you never had time he's, to he's, yeah. pioneer, you know, or to, 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 you know, amplify electric cars. and. Well, yeah, or, or yeah, either he is, uh, like, Tom Hardy or, or Hugh Grant. <laughs> Those two very similar people. Or he takes the money when the original seven se- seven seasons of uh, Red Dwarf USA ends, takes the money, invests it into his uh, web publishing corporation, yeah. becomes a billionaire through that. And he's just bought Twitter. Changes the world. He's just bought Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> and banned cunts. <laughs> so, yeah, in conclusion... It's not a bad future. The, fa- the fact that Red Dwarf UK continued at all has been terrible for everyone involved. <laughs> It's it's locked us into a lifetime of servitude. <laughs> Hollow Mew one five one, the hundred and fifty first of the Hollow Mews. <laughs> if the show was picked up, what plots could they have done which wasn't based off pre existing plots from the British version? What was it you said about this one, Danny? Before it's, and this this question is basically make up some. Oh yeah, 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 basically, yeah. So if the show was picked up, what plots would they have done instead? It wasn't based off like that. Question basically turns into. <laughs> Can you please make up some new plots of Red Dwarf, please? <laughs> um, I mean, they could... They could have done a lot of Kachansky stuff. I mean, it probably would have, then, the bread thing would have made a lot more sense in the American version. The the whole toaster goes mental and turns the entire ship to bread. That that idea would work <laughs> yeah, so much better than the American version because it would sit better and kind of wacky, zany bullshit. <laughs> okay, here is my idea for an episode. The crew come across an old space station. Inside, they find a stasis booth. After opening the stasis booth, they don't believe it. It seems to be Tau, but quite a lot older than they remember. I'm I'm reading the first post of the idea for an episode. (laughs) 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 But changing Hollister to Tau. They don't believe it's Tau. So Hollow Mew, take a look at you the, the idea. idea yeah, for if you want bad. some, you want some perlers, then uh, you need to get yourself to the. But no, yeah, we're we're the wrong people to ask. The right people to ask are jobbing sitcom writers in <laughs> in 1992 in America, who 
like I said before, get given the brief, and it's like Doctor Who, um, in that you can like Doctor Who's format is you can go anywhere and do anything and meet anyone, so therefore it's the perfect show to be written by a committee and and to have people submitting yeah. ideas and to be given odd episodes of, and I think Red Dwarf could be the equivalent of that. Yeah, um, there's definitely sort of like seeding if, an idea is is definitely something you know we we come with, and I and I'm I'm not trying to say that we're you know we're amazing freaking writers, but like we've definitely come up with ideas that would actually serve as pretty good starting points for a Red Dwarf episode. It's just the fact that that's not enough. You don't need to like it's not enough to just come mm. up with a, the single idea. You need to do the jokes and the plotting and the and the ambience and the set and everything. Well, else. you look at how the Simpsons, like a successful Simpsons episode on most of the Simpsons episodes, they are like two, most of those two episode ideas in one that kind of, you know, almost, almost sometimes switches halfway through or is like interwoven. Like, I know it's just A and B plot, but it is basically two episode ideas woven together. Yeah. So you probably have to do something a bit like that. Like in order for it to, I mean, we're talking about twenty-minute episodes as well, or like twenty-two-minute episodes. Yeah, it's twenty-two with a certain <clears throat> three acts. Yeah, basically, which is the just, that, uh, yeah, horrific, horrific. Like the UK version struggled enough. I mean, it, it's weird because I always thought that like if if Red Dwarf was ever going to be made in the US and it was going to kind of work better, you would have. And it sounds weird, and I, I, I still can't believe they didn't even think about this. Like. Mac would have fit in so much better in the American yeah, version, mm-hmm. and I was thinking it would be really nice if they did like um, if they ever did like a like a spin-off, basically not even like a like a, a red like Red Dwarf adjacent. So like no, it wasn't shot on Red Dwarf; it was shot on another ship that was another JMC thing with a similar. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a plot about someone who got lost three million years in space. It could be something else entirely, but it's still connected to that yeah. universe where they still are. You know, tangentially related, but not. You know, they're, they're connected by crew. So, like the the UK and the US version could exist uh, at the same time, and they could run alongside each other. Mm. You know, run parallel. We're getting into big Finnish mm. territory. Yeah. <laughs> you got the Oregon, it could, right? It could be the, the yeah, the so Oregon. Basically, yeah. yeah. So you got Mac, Mac on the Oregon. Exactly what I was going to say. Moonlight would like to hear commentary on how well Chris Eigerman later played a Rimmer-like character on Malcolm in the Middle, also created by Linwood Boomer. I really suspect that there was some cross-pollination going on there. So much like the Quantum Leap question, uh, I've got no fucking idea. Yeah, yeah I don't either. I, haven't, I apologize um, for not, not knowing more about Malcolm in the Middle, because I know it's a good show, and I know it's... And it, it, yeah, I like I, it. I, I, I do like I it, and I do good. think it's good, like, genuinely. I do like it. I used to watch it when it was on... Um, BBC Two on yeah. uh, Friday nights. Yeah, it classic was, uh, episode of The Simpsons, episode of Malcolm in the Middle, and then Fresh Prince, maybe or Robot Wars, depending on the era. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I didn't watch it all the way through, and I certainly can't remember specific episodes. Yeah. Although there was that one bit where the dad um, contracted cancer, and as a result, started cooking meth. <laughs> oh, that whole fever dream thing. Yeah, that was quite a big yeah. classic. Yeah, that, that was yeah. a good spin-off. That um, for a long while, didn't it? <laughs> they had a spin-off more successful than the original in many ways and then had a spin-off that was better than the original <laughs> in many ways um, I would say though if I was to do a guess that like Linwood Boomer casting Chris Eichmann in a similar role is probably not a coincidence they probably yeah. thought 
this character feels. Who do like I that. who do I know yeah. that fits this type? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's wrong, of course, because Chris Eichmann was shit as Rimmer, but um, <laughs> apparently he was excellent in Malcolm in the Middle. So, can I ring my nephew and ask him about this because he knows more about Malcolm in the Middle than I do? Fucking yes. Yeah, come on, let's <laughs> get him let's on. Get him on. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you're right dude you're right we're recording a podcast and we've just got to someone asking a question about chris eigerman in malcolm in the middle is it possible you could you could explain what is chris eigerman's character like in malcolm in the middle he plays a guy who at one point was sort of considered to be like a, a genius he had like phds and was on this track to sort of fame and stardom and then he falls from grace after like starting up a dot com and the inevitable bursts, and now he's like teaching in a high school. And he's just ridiculously petty and uses whatever little amounts of power he has to just like control the people that he can underneath him, even if it's just in the most like stupid, petty ways possible. In fact, usually like the smaller the sort of benefit is the more he sort of gets out of it <laughs> like the, the less material gain he has to get from controlling somebody the better it is like the, the bigger the thrill you know <laughs> that's excellent so that's basically why so that's what that's that's, that's what they're into basically yeah, <laughs> yeah he's and he's like and he's, he's just he's really pompous he's really full of himself he thinks much more of himself than is actually sort of true, you know, indicated by the fact that he's like even like four years after he appears in the series, he's still like just a teacher. <laughs> okay. like, he's never, you know, he's, he's he's never managed to climb his way back up the ladder despite all of his sort of purported, you know, intelligence and skills and everything else. And he like and he tries to cheat his way to the top all the time as well. He's very like Rimmer, I suppose, in many ways. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. That's our awesome. correspondent from Malcolm in the Middle there. <laughs> thank you very much, Stephen. <laughs> right, so if we get stuck Excellent. on the next waffle, we've only got 50-50 and ask the audience. <laughs> Do we know any quantum leap experts that have relatives of any... Shall I ring Chris Carter and ask him about the... Uh, <laughs> ring Chris Carter. What do you think Your question. influence? <laughs> All right, yeah, that's Moonlight satisfied. <laughs> Trekker 57, the 57th of the Trekkers. A lot has been said about the pilots, but the decision to use synth music for the opening credits is both out of character for the show and with other American sci-fi shows around the time, mainly Star Trek. What's your opinion <laughs> on this? Our opinion, and I don't want to speak for everyone, is that it's shit. It's pretty bad. I... Uh, I know Danny's going to have more involved thoughts on this, but I will. I will say first yeah. that at first I thought the 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 generational nature of the quality of the video was doing the 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 theme music a bit of a disservice. Like I, I, it sounded like it was warping and bending it, making it sound a bit discordant. However, there is a a YouTube video of fairly clean a fairly clean version of it on YouTube, and. Link in the show it, notes. Yeah, in the show notes. And it, it no, it kind of sounds like it sounds. It doesn't sound that much different, to be fair. No, um, no. It's it's weird because mm. I think how good old basically sort of said that he was not going to use like instruments of the time because it would date it. I <laughs> don't know whether that's something yeah. that, that, that Todd had in, in mind when he did it because obviously he's done it with the current tech. 
and you know and it, it just doesn't it just doesn't it hasn't aged well as a theme mm. um no. but it's ostensibly very very american and i can't really put my finger on what it is that it, that it, that it is white, it's white, more american so the uk version is really lonely it invokes loneliness it fits the the tone especially of the first series I guess in this case, like the American version was going to be a bit more gung ho, a bit more like Lister leading from the front and trying to find their way home or do this, do that, find Kachansky or figure out a way of bringing her back. So I guess it kind of fits in that it's a bit more up tempo. It's a bit, a bit more, more action orientated, isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's a lot more kind of, yeah. But less so than the Series 3. Yeah, true. Theme, which is the contemporary one. They would have done well just to use that. To be it, it could have been just a. a, a a rights issue. Well, yeah, I think it makes sense that you would want to score, uh, you know, your own version yourself. It's just, yeah, it's a baffling decision in terms of instrumentation. I think the tune with better, <laughs> better instruments, better mm. arrangement. Uh, you can, yeah, you can hear acceptable. those notes being like. You can imagine it being. There's a certain nobility to the tune, to the melody, which is undercut by the horrendously synthesized and squealy sound. It's really weird because I can't imagine a song being built around that. Yeah, it sounds like a cacophony, right? Well, it's just it's 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 more like it's more like a it's more like a soundscape than it is a than it is a theme it's more just like yeah. a, it's more like a general feel of the show rather than you know a, but again it, uh, you know for all we know that could have been just something sat in Todd Rundgren's library that's been sat there for yeah you know and he was just like we need this we need and like Quite having Todd possibly. Rundgren's name on it was yeah. like a big thing that was like yeah. that was like almost like something else to pull the investors in was because you know because he was yeah. fucking. I mean, I, I didn't know how how influential that he was with music, but my god, if you read his Wikipedia is kind of you know. Lord and Chief of Music, from the, from the sound of it. Um, but yeah, it's like uh, unless he wrote this article himself, it's like articles with headlines like "Leave the spider in your house alone." They're they, they're just living there and want a peaceful life. It's like, did a spider write this headline? <laughs> Daddy's dead. Love moth. Rundgren does it best. We owe it all to Todd. Um, but yeah, you're right. What you say about it's not; it doesn't feel like a cohesive tune or a song, um, which is in stark contrast to how Goodall's work on Red Dwarf and pretty much everything he did, where the melodies and the sequences within the Red Dwarf theme tune ha- can and have been adapted in so many ways to create so many different pieces of music and so many moods. And yet, it could be that this was, you know, if if the same melody and the same elements had been used in different ways it, that could have been it and that could have been this could have been one way of that music making you feel um, but it's a poor choice to use as a theme yeah. tune in that case but again it's a pilot so it's just going to be throwing anything at it that's just going to get people to notice yeah yeah. yeah. and we, we should remember that like this was never going to be broadcast like pilots pilots were sometimes tacked onto the start of a full series um, sometimes or like bits of them it was, it was it, an yeah. thing a lot of the time but if it was significantly you know, going to change if, if there's no if there's no major difference if it yeah. if it's good enough 
um, than it than it would be, but not by default. You would yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and but a lot of the time you're gonna have one big recast. Like the Buffy pilot has got a completely different Willow, um, different shark. shark. So they couldn't. They just literally couldn't have used that. Um, and the effects weren't there because it was done. Yeah, you know, like usually your your first episode needs to hit big. Um, therefore, mm. you need the money that you're going to have for a full series <laughs> um, to do that, rather than the money you're going to have for a pilot, which is going to be a fraction of that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, we need to remember that we we weren't meant to see this. I, I think um, it, it it's like it's it's like us almost getting a peek at like an artist like rough sketches and like things that are meant to be just for them you know their their working process their creative process and we're kind of seeing it unfinished it's like yeah you basically there should be asterisk Mm. at the end of every single one of these things subject to change and it's just like you know yeah 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 Yeah. so everyone everyone that we're seeing here and everyone that we are like you know judging that they are in a bit of a vulnerable position being you know being shown like this like you know that they they wouldn't have thought any of this would be like you know out there. Even though pilots do get you know do find their way out there a lot of the time, it's um it's a bit of a tricky. Okay, moment. let's have a hypothetical from Milo's cat, um, a fresher waffle <laughs> than the previous one. Yes, I'm glad you're still with us, Milo. <laughs> Who would you cast in a modern day US version of Red Dwarf? And I think on past form... We've definitely fucking had this question. We, we, we've done this. We've done it recently. with British, I think. <laughs> I think on past form, it was a, it's a struggle. Oh, it was going to be... I think it was going to be like a Netflix. We did the yeah. Netflix version. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> because I don't watch that much telly <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Other than CBeebies. And I certainly don't watch much American telly. Um, yeah, I'm not... Massively, it's up like, on who, it's like who would you cast um, in a modern day versus who would be cast in a modern day US version? It's two different questions, to be fair. Yeah, um, um and this is US version, so it would have it's to very be weird though because a lot of US shows now tend to use a lot of British actors, so it's really hard to kind of sort of like yeah. pass the mm. you know, doesn't necessarily have to be American. Hugh Laurie, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Hugh Laurie would definitely be there, but I what I can't get past is something we said on, on that. On that door, I think it might have been um, a Waffleman special, um, where I can't remember who it was that said Guz Khan as Lister, and I can't get past that. Like, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. he'd be great. (laughs) He's about the right age now as well. He's almost (laughs) forty. He's like he's he's like our age. Um, So he'd be a good original Lister almost, but um, he's not American. So like you know, do we? You know, I guess with we should be casting this with all Americans, um, but I don't really have. I would have uh, Darcy Carden as Holly. Darcy Carden being Janet from the Good Place. Oh yes, that's good. Oh, <laughs> let's just let's just um, let's just raid. Let's fucking. Let's yeah, I was going to say let's just like <laughs> raid the Good Place cast. Uh, the guy who plays Chidi would yes, be a good rumor. Excellent rumor. Yep. Um. I mean. <laughs> What's the name would be a good lister? Um... Jason. <laughs> no, oh god, fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, I mean, what I mean is Kristen Bell. Kristen Bell would be a good lister. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, yeah. so basically <laughs> we've turned this into which character from The Good Place? Because <laughs> that is the last American sitcom I've Adam, Adam Scott like. as, uh, as um, Hollister. I think now that I've seen Adam Scott, definitely he would he would need to be in it because he's amazing. Um, <laughs> I was the Adam Scott or yeah, well Ted Danson. Danson. Okay, Ted Danson as Hollister. Yeah, just throw this cast in a blender <laughs> and that's it. We've got it. We'll yeah, just see yeah. what happens. <laughs> there was a similar question. Let's uh, let's mash the two together. Uh, Flapjack asked uh Crichton was the only character not to be recast for the US pilot but if he was which actor working in the US at the time should or would Ooh. they have chosen so now the same question but in 1992 uh, Tim Allen <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim Allen. um what's his chops Garth oh da- uh, Dana Carvey Dana Carvey yeah could do the the British guilty Crichton, I think maybe. Very possibly, it'd be very weird having American playing a British character doing an American accent that's now been set to America. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, it would probably be John, uh, John DiMaggio then. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if we're I mean... saying that the, the American Crichton is a proto bender. Which <laughs> is a, a terrible phrase. <laughs> Rick Moranis is the best uh, person working in American comedy in the early 90s, so let's say Rick Moranis. Yeah, Rick Moranis could play possibly play Rimmer. Yeah. Well, it would have Rick to Moranis be Crichton. Rimmer would yeah. be great. We're restricted to Crichton in uh, Flapjack's hypothetical. Yeah. Oh, Fla- we're doing... Oh, right. Flapjack yeah, in our Flapjack verse. Um, yeah, I just don't... I don't have a strong enough... Like, Oh, uh, Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> <Yeah>. Genuinely, <laughs> why not? <laughs> that would kill the man. <laughs> OJ Simpson. Although having, having he would kill a man. Having <laughs> fucking hell, <laughs> he didn't. But if he would, this is how he'd do it: <laughs> by encasing their head in latex <laughs> and putting them in the studio. <laughs> like this. If the head doesn't fit. <laughs> you must re- refit it, the head. <laughs> anyone anyone from um, Police Academy? Michael Wimsley. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Robert Llewellyn, Robert Llewellyn does cool. sound effects. Mm, real that's good. true. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Mm. So does Danny. Danny, in a time machine. There you go. Why <laughs> am blessed? <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> How would Brian Blessed do the fire exit joke? <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake! I was genuinely. I was. I was. I was thinking. You mentioned it earlier, and I was like, oh, I've got away, got away with it. We're not going to come back to this now. And then you did it. <laughs> We're just giving the public what they want. I've been reading that fire exit sign over there. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Right. See you next week. Thanks, Thanks George. George. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Staying on questions from Flappo Jacko. <laughs> if Red Dwarf USA had been ordered to series, what do you think would have been the best way to go about continuing from where they left off with the first pilot? Adapting the UK series one to one, going wholly original, or a mixture of UK episode remakes and original stories. 
I think that so the interesting thing about the pilot is they spunk a few little plot points from from episodes of series one. So it was clear that they were looking they would probably end up like clearing away some of the slower episodes of series one, let's say. I think Future mm. Echoes would be absolutely the next episode. Because Yeah, yeah, yeah it would make sense. Um they've already already kind of so like maybe chasing that that future crew and like they keep turning up and they're trying to decipher what they were telling them and um it ends up being don't go see one for your wife <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got it. oh like yeah there's uh, like a running joke yeah. of like you keep getting a you keep getting a bit more of the information yeah. at the end of every episode then it comes back together and it, yeah, it yeah it turns out that he was gonna say you gotta listen to me and then <laughs> and then yeah. cuts yeah. off you gotta listen to me. Here's the thing, right? <laughs> because what he'd, what he'd, yeah, it's like, yeah, you got the first bit to of what? information he's gonna to want to know is where does Kachansky come from? How did you get Kachansky? So that that would be what he'd be trying to find out. He'd maybe find that out and then get her at some point, like bring her in because she's gonna be a main cast member. Um, that would be yeah, the end yeah, of yeah. One, Mm. The, the sort of the big arc would end in series one, then series two would have the the whole sort of crew together. Right? Which is another thing because you can do with the American sitcom format. It would presumably be twenty six oh, episodes yeah. or twenty four odd episodes per season. So you could do like within a year they would have run out. Yeah. <laughs> within a year and a bit, they'd have run out of Red Dwarf yeah. episodes anyway <laughs> to convert. So you can, I think, condense the bits that you want to out of the UK version within a few episodes of... Uh, How many seasons season. would it take before they resorted to a musical one. episode? <laughs> With... I'd say three or four. Well, it only took uh, 12 episodes of the UK version <laughs> to have a musical number. So <laughs> That would have been halfway through season yeah. one. So here's the thing, if you were to compare Red Dwarf USA's pilot to what essentially is the original assembly of the end, yeah, which one is actually... I know that Red Dwarf USA already had some of the kinks ironed out with characters mm. and plot and potential setups and whatever, but taking Red Dwarf 1's pilot, essentially, yeah. it's like, you know, that you can tell yeah. they have the same problems, they have the same teething problems with character and dialogue and that they had the opportunity no. to fix before it was yeah. seen by anyone. Yeah. Again, the original assembly is not something we should have, re- should have really been able yeah. to see, but we did. Yeah. You know. I was just trying to remember whether um, we ever did a commentary on that, and we did in 2012. Yes, we did. We did. It's very, it's like again, it's a very stilted, but then there's yeah. no audience. Well, yeah, there was, there was no they didn't know what was again, going on. An American audience is going to react a lot more. Uh, the original the assembly end. is better than Red Dwarf USA. I'm going to, I'm going to put my neck on the line there. Yeah. It's, it's you, isn't it? It's you, better and more successful. But um, it's a it's a good point because it is like that is Red Dwarf at its absolute rawest and just like and it, at... that's yeah the equivalent of Red Dwarf USA isn't the end. The equivalent is the end yeah. original, and that, even that isn't a hundred percent. But like, yeah, and they had the luxury of redoing some of that, but they still had balance of power, which is still pretty much the same feeling. Like balance of power is the other what is mm. the other half of the pilot almost. It's the one that is yeah closest to the original assembly, original version of what series one was going to be before they managed to yeah. tweak it as they went. But in terms of 
remaking UK episodes for the US, there was clearly an intention to do that with Marooned um, because we know that from the second pilot. Mm. Maybe they would have wanted to remake Camille, or maybe they were just using Camille as an example because they had the footage and it was something with Robert Llewellyn and no one else was the clip that they. Yeah, I think they were very, um, very far focused yeah. with their extra clips. If you notice throughout that, like when, when even when the original pilot mm. uh, had clips at the end, it was all four. It was almost like five hadn't been finished. Which would have been yet. Well, no, it wouldn't have yeah. done because we know that from our. Um, Smegazine uh, chats. Yeah. Well, it would have been in the edit. The, it it would have, it would yeah, it wouldn't have been. It perhaps wouldn't have been available yeah. to for clips. Universal yeah. to the people putting this pilot together. Whereas four, therefore, yeah. would have been the most recent. I think. I think stuff. they definitely. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't just a tease. They definitely would have done shutdown, right? Like, I, I think, I think they'd be daft not to, <laughs> to not to have done shutdown. Well, shutdown is essentially. A few lines of dialogue. No, don't you remember Shutdown that is from Series just... Nine? <laughs> oh, brilliant! Shut down. Yeah, it's lines of dialogue that can be given in a very small uh, bit of studio, <laughs> if you can call it studio, with all the characters gathered around a uh, one camera doing some gags. I uh, don't know how much of a of an it's episode that is. It's just. Yeah. yeah, in the same way you could, yeah, maybe they'd spin off um, Dave Holland's episodes yeah. into full. Yeah. Uh, Depending on how much Rob and Doug were bothering to like, well, would have put stuff in. Uh, also, it's, it's worth remembering the first series probably wouldn't have been like twenty-two episodes. The first series could well have been uh, shorter. Depends how yeah. confident they were in it. Yeah, that's true. Um. So okay, then what? British episodes up to and including series five would work best remade. Mm-hmm. Let's see polymorph done. Yeah, bigger budget polymorph, polymorph. Would be a really interesting episode. Oh. They could do something. You can do something. Well, body swap. DNA, body swaps are good. Uh, bottle way. episodes. You've got to have a few bottle episodes per season. See, body swap would be really interesting because the. The reason that works is because Chris yeah, <laughs> and Craig's yeah, <laughs> and I don't know how it's like you'd have to pick how someone good who isn't Craig Baker. Be able to, well, yeah, they, they able might to have done the, the thing that I think they probably should have done with body swap, which is for them to keep their own voices and do do impressions mm. instead. Ah, uh, I, I don't know if that would work. I think it would. Really well, good. we would have had to enjoy Craig's posh voice for half an hour, but um. <laughs> it's just it's really it, it does that, that must I was like exist an animal somewhere <laughs> uh, it does like there's some um, delete scenes I think isn't there with with the, the, yeah. their voices doing the voices mm. I was thinking like the, the mm. whole episode would be nice to see but yeah it would be yeah it'd be um, I think um, now when would back to reality like for, for, in order for back to reality to hit that would have to come probably around the f- fifth season mark wouldn't it like a, a similar number of years yeah you yeah. need to be well established yeah. maybe because they're longer seasons it would same be same with inquisitor but... in fact there's a lot of like self introspection in in 5 there's the inquisitor there's demons and mm. angels and there's back to reality all yeah. of them are like what what the fuck what the fuck are you yeah, what the hell have you been doing terrifying yeah. and i mean to a certain extent hollow shit because you know it's like you, you 
there's lots of thinking about yeah. moving on or, you know. Yeah. Uh, Hollowship would have probably worked fairly early on. Um, get a good good rim up. So. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting. Like, you've got the whole of this to choose from. You don't have to do it in the right yeah. order. You don't have to yeah. do it at all. Um, see, Gunman would have been would be amazing. They probably would have nicked that if they'd done that in uh, Series Six in the UK. <clears throat> yeah, so, so, so especially once it got an Emmy, <clears throat> and that would have been shot. On yeah, it would look fucking watching. brilliant. It'd be like <laughs> Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> Last day is great. There's all, they're, they're, all these episodes have potential. To yeah, all of them because they've all got just such strong just... central ideas. Time slides would be different because you'd be able to get into different areas of American. They might, history. so they might have ended mm. up doing Ticket to Ride before Ticket to Ride. That's very, <laughs> very true. Possibly. That's yeah. like what, yeah, one of the first time ah. time travel stories you do as an American. It's yeah. got to be JFK. Now this is interesting though. Would would Ticket to Ride not? Well, no, but they they would have done something. Because... They would have trodden on Ticket to Ride's non-existent toes. Yeah. They'd have done their version. Do you know what it'd have been? It would have been. It wouldn't have been to. Yeah, yeah, they wouldn't have had JFK. Yeah, they wouldn't have had JFK. It'd have been Watergate. No, Quantum Leap did a JFK. Yeah, but did JFK right? end up killing him? Where he? Okay. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure Sam leapt into Lee Harvey Oswald. Ah. Oh. oh really? So do the, so do the crew. They right. all leap into him as well. Our friend Google. I mean, if only we watched. Do you know what? Fucking really like, <laughs> I think that's what I've learned. I need to. Is it, I, I imagine it's on Disney Plus, right? <laughs> is it? Yeah, it was a two. It was a special two-part episode where Sam leaps into the body of Lee Harvey Oswald, and has the opportunity to change history forever. Oh well, there you go. Then. So, so that yeah, is that, well, tickets are Simpsons right. did it. So, yeah, <laughs> so you've got Quantum Al probably it. telling him in no uncertain terms, you have to kill. Andy Ziggy Ziggy's telling me there's a ninety nine percent chance that you'll fuck it if you don't kill him. <laughs> yeah, Ziggy says there's a ninety nine percent chance that Jay will become <laughs> yeah. president, and it will be. He's forced to run by the mouth. <laughs> uh, anyway, next. Uh, the fine Flappo Jacko, our most prolific waffler, uh, the third Flappo Jacko waffle. Uh, what are your thoughts on the various truisms that get repeated about Red Dwarf USA and by extension American remakes of UK comedy in general? You recently pushed back against the idea that Craig Bierko was too handsome to play Lister. <laughs> Just, uh, I like <laughs> people using our uh, <laughs> our recent yeah, comments. Yeah. <laughs> as, against, yeah, yeah, shit. God, do we have to say consistent? <laughs> God, are people fucking holding us to account? They're actually saying shit. Uh, but there's also the idea that Americans are just not as good as self-deprecating yeah, or dry humour as the British. That an American couldn't pull off Rimmer's particular blend of self-importance and self-hatred, and that UK class divisions can't be properly translated onto American characters. So yeah, let's tackle them. I think yeah. they're all bollocks. I think it's <laughs> it's just that uh, they need to be done well. And that's the same in the US and the yeah. UK. And I think Doug Naylor makes the point. Doug Naylor, somewhere, possibly in the Dwarf in USA documentary, rails against the idea that 
Red Dwarf won't work in the USA because they don't have a class system. Putting out oh, says, of course, yeah. they have a class system. It's just yeah. different. Yeah, he's to talking us. about is the people from is the people from like is the people from the, the people from Friends are the same as the people, the friends, as the people yeah. on Jerry Springer yeah. might be his example. Yeah. I think, but yeah, yeah. is it's it's different and it's not as hi- based in history mm. as our class system. But there is definitely mm-hmm. a class system. And, um, you know, Lister is established as being from Detroit, uh, which is a poor area. And, like, well, definitely wasn't as poor the then as it is that now, you see on TV. Yeah. yeah. But definitely a working yeah. class area, at least, because Detroit is the motor yeah. trade, yeah. isn't it? And all that mm. shit. Um, Rimmer could well have been established as, like, the son of some, like, preppy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, want, like, he wanted to go to Harvard, Irish, but he ended up going to Brown yeah. or something. I, don't know. I, th- I think that's the thing. Yeah. I think that's the, the yeah. hierarchy. <laughs> the he, Rimmer is basically I. like uh, the male equivalent of a Gilmore girl. This <laughs> <laughs> is what's in my head. And that is, yeah, Lister being someone that's had to pull themselves up from their bootstraps from yeah. coming from a, a poor background and a rough background could yeah. well have been established as having been adopted and having yeah. had a rough upbringing like our lister had versus Rimmer who in the UK version does come from a privileged background is like IO is like the posh <laughs> place he went to private school he went to boarding school like all his brothers he's got this success that he has to live yeah. up to etc uh, could easily have translated into. American. I think American Next. comedy gets a bad rap because of the quantities that are involved, like the churn that the American TV system had to has to go through to to, to keep. Mm. Like, you've got a lot more people to entertain, so therefore there has to be a lot more of it, and and so there is a general lower quality bar. Or at least there was. There used to be a lower quality bar perceived and like and then that maybe reflects on our oh, americans just like shit they just like you know jokes about cheeseburgers or something i don't know and yeah. and, and then that becomes like oh you know because a lot of the comedies are safe and earnest americans don't get sarcasm but no americans aren't being sold yeah. sarcasm but they do get it <laughs> you know or they might not be sold sarcasm as often as as we are but they do get it like they are still, yeah. It's sort of seen yeah. as sort of like mean spirited if it's done in America, whereas in Britain we kind of see it as sort yeah. Of it's like more a of it. It's, it's a comedy staple just, of yeah. Well, I mean, Chandler yeah, exactly. in Friends is the perfect example of that, where he is constantly sarcastic, and it's like, and he comes across. As a <laughs> he does, yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how, um, <laughs> I don't know how he found the range. It's, it's, it's all in the performance, and I think you're right that I was certainly guilty of this, of having an idea in my head when I was younger of this is what yeah. American Americans are stupid, are like. this is what American comedy is like, and it's just based on the yeah. churn where. But we, like, in Britain, <laughs> we are guilty of having that kind of churn sitcom as well, like fucking My Family or My Hero. or Any, any other, other sitcom <laughs> with uh, My. Sitcoms <laughs> beginning with My. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of, of things Hyper that... Hyperdrive, really. Know, that's tossed um, off, to be honest. Uh, the way that Last of the Summer Wine became... Um, towards the end of that, all the ITV pre-Watershed comedies of the 90s, they're all our version of those churned-out American sitcoms, but you've also always had really high-quality American sitcoms that do really clever things, have interesting characters, 
have emotion to them, have pathos. You've got your mash, you've got your cheers, you've got your Fraser, Seinfeld, and even uh, well, so, well, so, Seinfeld. But a lot of, I but mean, a lot Seinfeld of do, shows yeah, wit and loads of sarcasm, and and yeah, yeah. there's just and that that was then, and now the American model has changed somewhat uh, over the years and that you still have the big huge networks that have to have this churn but now more so than in the 90s you have your cable channels and your streaming services that offer a completely different thing they can be a lot more niche a lot less mainstream uh, and American comedy now Some can be <laughs> it seems an obvious thing to say but it wouldn't have been obvious in the 90s perhaps that American comedy can be just as sophisticated and just as clever <laughs> as as any British or to be honest name. at the moment like it's it's miles ahead I, I would say of of yeah. The, the, there's a Often. lot of good sitcoms at the moment. I'm not really up to speed on all of them, but like you know, I don't know. Just even recently, we talked about the Good Place. It's hard. Mm. It's hard to call good that place, a sitcom, particularly. But like maybe if you think if you go back a bit, think of Modern Family, Arrested Development. That sort of like that is just yep. so. Both of them so. Well, mod- Modern Family is the churned out yeah. sitcom done right. It is, it is totally like, but it's done in a different way with a different style. It doesn't have a laugh track, and so, like, it's it, that documentary style that kind yeah. of like became yes, really did, commonplace. Yeah. Speaking thanks of the office, the, thanks yeah. to the office, thanks, yeah, thanks again, to the, the day is today. Incredibly fucking <clears throat> like incredibly, yeah, incredibly influential. But you yeah. can't deny it. You can't deny its impact on yeah. on the way that comedies have been done. Well, Parks and Rec as well is another one of my favourite American the... comedies ever. Exactly. And that is Parks the and documentary Rec. style yeah. as well. But it's um, but they don't. I don't don't think they ever ever acknowledge that there is a documentary I mean, like, crew like they do in. What we do in the shadows is yeah. exactly one of those things as well. Where the yeah, so they definitely do the documentary style thing where they have them sitting talking about stuff that's happening in the plot that you're. But the documentary right. crew are genuinely there and they're given oh, some so level they of go protection it, they, from the fact that they go the whole hog. The that's good. I like yeah. Yeah, they they absolutely yeah. There's the point when sometimes they'll introduce a new character and it's like that character will immediately attack the crew because they're not aware of the fact that they're on the documentary. So that that stuff happens and it's like yeah, it's but it's it's pitched so perfectly. Like every now and then you're like, oh yeah, shit, there's actually a crew fucking sat in there filming them. Right? <laughs> they keep the every now and then they'll, they'll, I like they'll that. just pick That's up good, on that. Yeah. Fact. yeah, it's very good. And again, that sort of, the thing about like what we're doing in the shadows feels very sort of. I mean, like New Zealand as well seems to have, like have a bit of resurgence. Like their their comedy sense seems to be getting a lot more attention. So like their sort of their comedy styles and stuff that's getting picked up by Fox yeah. and whatever, like you No know, Wellington Paranormal and you know what we're doing a lot of Taika Waititi stuff to be fair, but also sort of Jermaine Clement and the kind of flan the Concords oeuvre. Jermaine um, Clement is a Red Dwarf. Oh uh, yes. Yeah. Oh cool. Okay, we're not. I wonder. I wonder what, what we do in the shadows is kind of like whether there's still that sort of that that flavour. Yeah, it might have been that Red Dwarf could perhaps have worked better in a more modern American style than the '90s American style. Is I think what I'm getting at. Interesting. That would be quite a thing to see <laughs> if they if they want to have another go at it. Mm. <laughs> there was that. Gonna be, at, at this point, at this point, I'll take fucking anything. <laughs> Rob didn't Rob Grant say tease the possibility that an American company had been? Oh, in he touch? did. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, on the 19th of February 2021. A toss- <laughs> Do you remember toss-up dates? <laughs> well, there was, <laughs> there this was is when there were John Taylor. Don't worry, Red Dwarf's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This was, yeah, just after the um, the kerfuffle yeah. started. Or the, we first became aware the of the event. kerfuffle just after uh, Holly Hop and Into the Gloop. Uh, last week we were told to have an approach to do an American version again. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, like, because so... the, the Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement, like, like, they're going through all sorts, right? Vampires, pirates. Um... They're doing a new pirate. There's a thing yeah. about pirates. Is that there's potentially another thing about where. So, I mean, sci- sci fi is sat right there, isn't it? I mean, I guess Taika Waititi's kind of got his sci fi thing, and it's that little um, indie film. Franchise, the the Thor, the 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 oh, uh, yeah. you know, the, the Thor Generally. franchise. Um, so he's kind of got that, but but it's all yeah, very British yeah. well, feeling yeah. in terms of like the way that those those shows are presented, and also a very British cast as well. To be fair, for um, I mean, like almost ostensibly a completely British cast on who would who would Matt Berry play helps, the best? But in Red Dwarf, <laughs> <laughs> Matt Berry would be Rimmer, surely. Oh no, because he'd have to be. No, he'd have to. No, he'd is have that to be, painting uh, yours? It's he wouldn't. shite. <laughs> <laughs> that mirror is shite. It's a mirror. <laughs> I know. Be careful, Danny. Otherwise, you're going to have to do Matt Berry every podcast. Isn't it? No, I'm not doing Matt Berry. <laughs> Don't like Matt Berry work. Okay. Yeah. Warbo Dog says. American Tony Hares <laughs> ultimately decides Red Dwarf is too zany for the advertisers, but he likes the sound of one of your other ideas. Which unrealised Grant Nader project <laughs> would you most like to have seen get a pilot? It'd have to be the 10%ers, that's pretty safe. Uh, that's a realised Grant well, Nader project, though. Yeah, I guess it is. The Red Dwarf movie <laughs> is an unrealised Well, okay, well, how many unrealised Grant Nader projects are there? I mean. Uh, the entire content. I, I cam I camcorder was realised, but no, no one, one realized. realized. <laughs> no one realised. I do. I do like the fact that Robert Wellard was teaching us about you know like continuity between shots and stuff like that. It's yeah. it's it's a fun thing. You know what? We should we I've should fucking do that. Actually, we should do our camcorder. It's a definitely a definitely a thing that it needs to. Um... It needs to be digitized. It's the only um, Robert Llewellyn project that we'd probably want to do a commentary on because I'm not fucking watching IT2I2 again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um, How about Doug Naylor's Out of the Red? (laughs) Yeah, too outlandish. Well, let's... (laughs) We'll have a plot where um, Craig Bierko... Chris Eigerman, Hinton Battle, Jane Leaves, and Robert Llewellyn have to <laughs> fight or whatever Here's it is. The thing. Conspiracy. If theory. they ever did do a Red Dwarf like a, a, like a Red Dwarf out of the Red kind of thing, and they brought those people in as cameos, <laughs> oh, that's a great <laughs> idea. Really, really All right, cool. Doug, do that. Like, it's probably the one thing you're allowed to make right now. That's what. Uh, Craig uh, Bierko suggests yeah. in his aforementioned message to the fan, to the fan club is oh, yeah. if we could do a cameo where the British crew meet the American cast and kill the American <laughs> cast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. Yeah. Again, like the idea of it being a part of what, the So, I'm, what I'm about what about the the possibilities so. of you know um, spinning off a sitcom from Son of Cliche 
sketches. So would would America would is America ready for Asso Spanish detective? <laughs> is what I'm asking. <laughs> well, they change it to Asso Mexican the Mexican detective. <laughs> America is very ready for us, I suppose. Yeah, especially, especially the America thirty years. Uh, Captain Invisible and the See Through Kid. That would have to be. That would be a cartoon. I can very imagine. Cheap. Very cheap. Can you imagine like a, a Johnny Bravo style cartoon of Captain Invisible? Hanna Barbera cartoon yeah. of Captain Invisible, or like it was a parody of um, Adam West Batman. Yeah, well, so, like, yeah, just do it. Like, just yeah. do it. Just, just get Adam West <laughs> as an invisible space superhero. God bless him. Is he alive? Adam West? No, he's dead. Very, yeah, but he, he very was very recently died. Oh, yeah, he's been he was alive, alive enough yeah, to yeah. be in Family Guy for years and years. <laughs> there was. Uh, at various points, Grant Naylor were said to be pitching a um, uh, anthology, sci-fi anthology Ooh. series, um, which was called the Weird Dimension. Yeah. I think, not okay. to be confused well, with the Nether Regions, which is <laughs> just a sketch show. Definitely <laughs> no <laughs> relation. To, there's no legal issues yeah. here there at all. No it's fine. <laughs> yeah, um, the so in the early nineties, that was. Around the time that the Twilight Zone was, um, had a comeback, I think because um, there was a yeah, there was a new Twilight Zone. George R. R. Martin was waiting for it at the time, um, so that might clash. But then it might have finished by then. I'm not sure. I'm not 100 percent sure. Um, but um, it wasn't very good, apparently. <laughs> um, and it it finished in '99. Okay. Yeah. Right. So maybe America would have been ready for it in '92. Like, weird dimension. A more comedic, yeah, um, sci-fi anthology show. I mean, I would definitely have liked to have yeah. seen that. Like, especially if it was Flex. obviously if it was ninety, if it was early nineties, yeah. Grant Naylor, <laughs> rather than you know a series of over to bills. I mean, yeah, it inflex those sketch writing muscles as well. Like, which were what? Yeah, it would basically be inside number nine, yeah. but. That's by Grant Naylor yeah. instead of by Shearsmith and Pemberton. That's true. You know? I want that, and I don't care if it's American yeah. or British. But crucially, I need it to be written by Grant Naylor in about ninety-two. <laughs> Not now. <laughs> and finally, Dave asks, uh, "How does having Crichton in the show from the start change the dynamic of that initial story?" For me, I like the loneliness, isolation of the end of the end. And the of the first two series in general, and having Crichton there lessens that by immediately yeah. giving Lister a friend who's still around three million years into the future. Which, having forgotten that Dave makes those points, we kind of made those yeah. points in the commentary, but not very much. So it is worth talking about. It's so weird that Lister and Crichton is the main dynamic, and so when we're talking about how the series develops and how it becomes different from the British version, maybe mm. that's it. Maybe it would have been that Rimmer is just an annoying neighbour type character and, not, and the real story Yeah, and not even that because like the Rimmer that we get in the second pilot, there's a warmth to him and like into that relationship yeah. as well, really. Especially in Marooned, like they you know, they're really <clears throat> they seem to yeah. like quite like each other, quite enjoying their anecdotes rather than yeah. Which is probably a little bit of skipping to the end of the way that the Lister and Rimmer dynamic yeah. developed naturally yeah. over many years in the British version. They've gone straight to the version where they're... It's interesting. It does, it does show that 
the American version was not interested in existential crisis Lister. Um, because yeah. because that's what we get in the first series because he, he only has someone he doesn't like. And he doesn't dislike the cat, mm. but he also has nothing in common with the cat. But Crichton... Yeah, the cat in the cat at that yeah, stage is just a. But, but Crichton's this little sidekick. He'd like, you know, he'd be there for all his japers. He's already he's he's getting <laughs> yeah, into scrapes yeah. with Crichton before the accident. Yeah, exactly. It is yeah. It's yeah. It's a Amer- very American buddy relationship that they have, where they're like partners in crime almost, which is so far removed from what the core <laughs> character, <laughs> core character dynamic in Red Dwarf should be. But yeah. worth exploring because I think I think Robert and Craig Baker were yeah well they were well. they were good friends well, well I mean well, weren't they? yeah yeah I was going to say because series eight you've got that with Liston yeah Robert. you do yeah yeah where they're sort of like patterns in crime they're kind of thick as thieves them two when they you know when they're doing stuff together they're kind of laughing and joking like they're yeah. equals at that point. yeah they've still got tension yeah. but they are they're the only so, time that they're equals. Yeah, they they antagonize each other, but they they no longer have the. Yeah, I think what series eight, I think what series eight and Red Dwarf USA have in common is that they don't really care <laughs> about the Lister Rimmer relationship and consistency with uh-huh. <laughs> how it originally yeah. was. Mm. Red Dwarf USA is just barely present at all. It's just like any boss and subordinate relationship. There's no sophistication or anything deeper mm, to it yeah. than that at all. And in Red Dwarf Eight, it just goes out the window yeah. for gags. Yeah, I think because the cause, yeah, it's it, it's a shame that they couldn't do more with the, the USA one because, like I said, it was like with the end, we've got a lot more time to kind of explore Lister and Rimmer's mm. antagonistic nature <laughs> of each other, and the way that he's seen by their superiors as well, and that you know people just get on with Lister, but they just dislike Rimmer <laughs> because he's a bit of a twat. Maybe but, like, that when it. When you come to analyse the end, that the McIntyre scene is a really important one because it shows yeah. them all how how those two characters are in relation to everyone else. Yeah, how yeah. they react to the same thing. It shows us so much. The pre-accident section of Red Dwarf USA is tiny, really. Mm. It's almost like it's, it just needs to be done in order to just make the, the like it was the beginning bit isn't the important bit. The bit they wanted to get to was the bit after the accident. Mm. And what they need to do is lay a pipe, and that's what they didn't have time to do in that one episode. So, yeah, it's a big shame. But I mean, like bringing Crichton yeah, in, at the beginning no, is not it, necessarily it a bad does thing. take up room, can, though, doesn't it? Like it you, you lose of, the funeral. It, that's it, yeah. Like being said, yeah, yeah. It changes. You lose it, the it chance to. Yeah. And but there's a way of doing like, if this was Red Dwarf the movie, where. You're, you presumably have Crichton there from the start, but you have more time to set things yeah. up and you have more time to establish the list of Crichton relationship and the list of rumour relationship, then it works. Mm-hmm. It's only really the only fault with the Crichton relationship is, like we say, it, it removes screen time from what we consider to be the most vital relationship. Mm-hmm. Also, the Kachansky things it ch- it definitely changes it and it makes seeing them together as a couple and splitting up and then the possible reconciliation all happening pre-accident it's way more screen time than Kachansky mm. gets in the end 
and it's not a huge amount still, but it's it's more it was, than Claire Grogan. It was clear the intention was to have her as a series regular. Yeah. 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 She's not credited as such, like a... though. She's credited as a guest uh, star. Okay. Was she was she big American then at the time? Was she like one of the worked. stars? Maybe she. No, guest star is in oh, just okay, not a series. Right, yeah, the way yeah. that American credits work is that even if it's a pilot you have people that are assigned as the main characters and they're credited in a certain way and then everyone else is a guest star even if they're recurring right, yes of course yeah. um so you can get spoilers yes. in american shows always in lost always before, in the, fucking before lost the end of the well. series like, like, oh <laughs> yeah. look um, special guest star mira furlan in lost like i guess i guess danielle's turning up yeah if, if they <laughs> yeah <laughs> if they get um if they get moved to the main credit sequence and they're they're a regular and they're going to stick around till yeah. the last episode, if they if they remain as guest starring, then they're <laughs> going to Um, so we've got a late breaking waffle. Yeah, what? Is it no, it's rubbly? Philly Mess who, to be honest, has made a Philly mess oh, of our fucking recording schedule. <sighs> but it's a late tweet, um, and it's an interesting question, so I think it might be worth um. Having a having a gander at it. So he says the main reason um, I would say the main reason I went to DJ ninety seven was to see the US pilot. I eventually saw it on a friend of my brother's dodgy download in the early two thousands. You're welcome. Uh, do you think? Do you think the fact that it was hard to find for years added to the appeal? And he does add that I should point out that the US pilot was not shown at DJ ninety seven. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, take your complaints with <laughs> Yeah, we're only responsible from 2009 to 2016. 18. 18. <clears throat> um, the, the question is, do you think the fact it was hard to find for years added to the appeal? Um, I would say absolutely yes. It was like like, like, anything, like yeah, yeah, like anything does when it's um when it's when it's kind of lost in the archives and that there's this potential. Comedy fans for... fucking love digging think, up rarities. Yeah, it becomes... Like, like, there's myths about it and you hear like it's it's a product of its time i guess in that now as soon as it was leaked it would be online and we'd have it forever mm-hmm. instantly like, like mm-hmm. within probably within a year of it being made and not going anywhere we'd all have a copy um that someone had put on youtube or vimeo or daily motion or whatever yeah. uh, but the fact that it was in the early 90s means that you couldn't just get hold of a copy yeah. on demand yeah. And it, there was a kind of potentially Chinese whispers situation where early days of the internet, if you had access to it, you'd see what one person says about a half-remembered thing that they'd seen a screening of. Um, they wouldn't know it verbatim. They'd just you know type up what they remember yeah. on the internet or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so I th- mean, I, there this was is definitely... making me think of Crichton's first day, or rather Robert Llewellyn's first day. Yeah. It's exactly yeah. that is that whole thing of like this this footage of this this apocryphal footage of um or legendary rather uh footage of, of, of uh, Robert electrocuting himself and it turns out that actually Oh you know, like it didn't really look that way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that's that's yeah. Robert's yeah, stories tell. for you. But like Yeah, and, and like the the nineties yeah. was, was exciting for stuff like this because like or early two thousands, because like as a comedy fan like fi- finding rarities, finding hidden things was like is a big part of it. Like I did, I just had hard oh, drives yeah. full of like people recording Lee and Herring gigs, oh. you know, from the nineties, um, 
or all sorts of stuff like that and so and, and because it was it was almost like a treasure hunt finding this stuff like you'd log on every day to your favorite file sharing service and search for all the stuff you normally search and just to see if someone yeah. has turned up with with all the stuff um and so yeah absolutely like the, the hunt was definitely more interesting than finding it and watching it for sure but it adds to the appeal it's the reason people think... care about it enough to fucking whinge about it all the time as well because it's clearly like you know yeah. an important part of its history and I think it added to a lot of the received opinions about Craig Bierko is too handsome to play Lister and it doesn't work, etc. Because you, p- people were only going off a handful of yeah. accounts, <clears throat> and if they all agree, or, or you know, or they repeat the opinion that the last person had, or, you go into a screening of it, you go into watching it with mm. other people's opinions in mind, and um, confirmation bias happens, and you only. You only see it's what received you're wisdom. To see. Yeah. So good. Thanks, Thank Philly, yes, for inserting that. Well, I think we have now exhausted our waffle pile, and we are ourselves exhausted. Uh, so that was Red Dwarf USA. <laughs> May it never happen again. <laughs> no, at this oh, point, we, we, we would we, we would take again, anything, mate. any new Red Dwarf in whatever form, please. It would be very interesting. <laughs> please, 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 please. Okay. Otherwise, we'll just fucking so, we'll. I swear to God, we will just do a Robot Wars commentary every week until you make more Red Dwarf. I yeah, wouldn't mind. We that. will. We'll become a. Can we change the entire <laughs> remit of Ganymede? Ganymede and <laughs> Robot Wars is what we'll call it. Titanium. <laughs> Grubby things and titanium. Anyway, our next Dwarf cast won't be about Red Dwarf USA or Robot Wars. Except it might have some stuff about Red Dwarf USA in it. It's going to be another magazine rack. So if you want to talk to us about any of the things we've said today, or about anything at all really, you can leave us a comment over at www.ganymede.tv or you can tweet us. Twitter handle is Ganymede-Hyton. Okay. So this should give you an idea of the kind of person we're working okay. with. Okay. But until next time, stay safe, stay cool, stay happy. Staley Bridge is home to 53 Grade 2 listed buildings, and they are... Cheetah Mill Park, One Hirecroft, Two Hirecroft, Scout Tunnel, The Stamford Arms, 576 Huddersfield Road, 574 Huddersfield Road, 16 John Street, 14 John Street, 18 John Street, Lower Little Bank House, Moorland, Barn Range to the south of Staley Hall, Farmhouse off Regent Drive, Three School Lane, One School Lane, The Holy Trinity in Christchurch, Victoria Market Hall, The War Memorial, Victoria Bridge, 204 Wakefield Road, The Ornamental Gardens, Trinity Street, Thameside Public Library and Oakwood Mill. And until next time... Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to G&T Dwarfcast and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. In are we all full screened or are we all fucked up? Well, I'm, I'm fucked off. I'm, I'm, I'm half screened. I'm not. Yeah, I'm, not I'm not in fucking yeah. cinema mode. If that's what you're asking, cinema modes for cunts. Wasn't technically um, Co- Cosby, not the Cosby Show, but Cosby. That was one foot in the grave. Um, yeah, in the grave version. Yeah, the American version. Um, but 
you know, don't talk about him. <laughs> Richard <laughs> Wilson is disgraced. Yeah, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Why well, the pick a puppy up instead of the telephone? <laughs> Oh, two, no one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Um, brief, br- brief pause. <laughs> one nil. Watkins. <laughs> <laughs>